Hello, and welcome to Select and Start, the podcast about meaningful and memorable video games. I'm your host, Kiefer, and every episode I bring on a guest to talk about a video game that made an impact on their life. Uh, let's introduce them now. He is a close personal friend of mine. It's my buddy, Roman Fruhan. Roman! Oh, hold on. Let me try it this way. Okay. Roman, come out to play. Yay. Roman, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. That was a good, uh, that was a good Luther impression. Uh, thank you. I, I hope I don't sound too much like Luther otherwise. <laughs> Roman, I'm really excited to uh, have you on because you're somebody I get hang out with regularly. You're a close personal friend of mine, and we do play video games together pretty often. So I'm really excited to get your perspective on the record on a lot of stuff for people to get to know you. Uh, so to start with that, for those who do not have the pleasure of knowing you, Roman, what do you do and what do you like? What I do now, I guess, uh, to make money, I work at a toy store called Planet Fun in Savannah, Georgia. It's awesome. I love all my coworkers and I get to play with toys all day. Um, but what I do to pass the time is I just watch movies. I watch movies all day, every day. Um, and occasionally I play the I play a good video game. You, you're a movie guy. Uh, what are some movies that you that what what is like Roman's like Mount Rushmore movies? Oh man, um, well John Carpenter's The Thing is my number one. It'll always be my number one. My number two uh, is The Iron Giant. Loved it ever since I was a little kid. Just big robot fighting little GI Joes. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Phantom of the Paradise is a recent uh, favorite of mine uh, within the last like five years. And uh, the Miami Connection, just because it's a film full of a lot of heart, tugs at my heartstrings, and makes me laugh. If it can make me laugh, uh, I love it forever. That's why I love The Big Lebowski, too. So, Right. Big Lebowski and the Miami Connection, two movies that people always say in the same sentence all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All Cohen brother quality. But no, I know that you're, you're a big film guy. You have a pretty robust film collection. You want to you wanna describe like the size of your film collection real quick? How big is it? <laughs> my film collection is pretty big. Uh, I have a lot of Blu-rays. Whenever I moved uh, into my current place, I had 1,880 films. That is just physical boxes that has nothing to do with the discs or if it's a double feature or whatever. Um, so I had 1,880, and that was three years ago. Uh, now I have no shelf space. Okay. So we know it's more than 1,800. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Fantastic. No. And clearly movies is like the big love of your life. Uh, I want to talk about video games for a moment here. As we know, Roman, there is no community that likes to gatekeep more than the gamers. Mm. We have to check your gaming credentials real quick. Let's talk about your gaming history, who or what got you into it, the size of your collection relative to movies, which I imagine is not nearly close. Uh, Your relationship with that with it throughout the years, et cetera, et cetera. What is Roman's portrait of a gamer? Oof. Um, well, I guess it depends on which route we want to go, whether it's consoles or PC. I guess the fir- my first uh, brush with video games was the very first PlayStation. Um, but yeah, uh, I used to play Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and all those games on the on the first PlayStation. My favorite game was Bust a Move '99. Uh, which uh, was Bubble Bobble, I guess, everywhere else in the world. But in the United States, it was Bust a Move. What else? I guess Rampage World Tour I played a lot. That was my first teen-rated game on the PlayStation. But uh, Hell yeah. I I quickly switched over to PC. Um, My dad would uh, 
uh, let me play on the PC a lot. And um, I, in 2003, I got my Steam account for the first time. I was nine years old. And uh, so I guess that was 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago. Whenever Christmas rolls around, it'll be my 20 years of having Steam. <laughs> That's when Half-Life and Counter-Strike Source and Half-Life 2, basically anything that was released by Valve, I, I just played nonstop. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I discovered Pirate Bay, that's when I discovered the original Fallout games. And then I kind of switched back over to consoles whenever the uh, Xbox 360 uh, came out. Of course, I played on the PlayStation 2 like nobody's business, but I feel like I didn't switch back over to consoles until Fallout 3 came out, which I used to love. Now it's I'm kind of up in the air about. But my love for the consoles um, kind of faded out whenever I was... Uh, Whenever I uh, had my PC around, a lot of a lot of hours in Gary's mod and Counter Strike Source, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. My PlayStation Two uh, was very close to the heart. I saw I saw this kid. Uh, he was like the older kid on my block. He invited me over after we were skateboarding, and I watched him play Grand Theft Auto Three. And when I saw the mission, I think the mission was like Tony's bitches or something like that. I said. <gasps> Oh my God! You can curse in video games, and I wanted that game so bad for Christmas, and uh, that's when I got my PlayStation Two and Grand Theft Auto Three. You've you've been on Steam since two thousand three. Are you using the same exact account? Yeah. Yes, I am. I never changed my screen name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty great. All right. Awesome. At some point, I want. I'm curious because you've had this account for however long. I want to know what your most played game is on Steam, because you have twenty years of history. I'm just curious if you could find that for me. Yeah, I guess my most played game on Steam, because I remember there was a huge update that that wiped basically everyone's progress mm. on everything. Um, but my most played game was probably Counter-Strike Source. It was almost overtaken by Team Fortress 2. When I was in college, I played Team Fortress 2 like nobody's business. My Great girlfriend game. played TF2. My friends, whenever we played HVZ, would also play Team Fortress 2. But yeah, I would always go back to Counter-Strike Source to blow off Steam, or I would play Gary's Mod. So I feel like those three had my highest hours. Mm-hmm. Now I have over 1,000 hours in Hunt Showdown. That's what I'm playing now. But uh, Counter-Strike Source probably had the highest hours in that and FTL. Uh, faster than light, I, I do like to have my little Captain Kirk uh, simulator close by. I didn't know that Counter-Strike Source was like legit one of the most played games of all time. You're the most functional Counter-Strike player I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I quit. <laughs> okay. I, I quit. My friends got me into Counter-Strike Go, and then I quickly got out of that because, man, that community is just as toxic as League of Legends and Dota. Sorry, all you League of Legends and Dota fans out there, but damn, I don't know how y'all do it. I'm assuming you, won't, you aren't going to be there for Counter-Strike 2 for the sake of your health. You know what? If they keep it simple, I'm there. If they keep it simple, I will add that game to the hundreds of games in my <laughs> in my Steam library, and maybe I'll actually get around to playing it. I'm pretty bad with uh, buying a game and then letting it sit forever. All right, what's an example of something in your backlog right now that you haven't played? Oh my gosh, the Black Mesa, or I guess uh, I guess Black Mesa, the Half Life One remake. At first, I was I was sitting in backing it and backing it and backing it for years i was so pumped for it and then it became official and then it got a release and then i put it in my steam library and i never opened it wow yeah 
I've definitely done that with something before, like something I've been anticipating for years that I that I own and haven't gotten to yet. I would say that's most video games. I've been you're not a good gamer unless you're a bad gamer. So on a level, I'm kind of proud of you that you haven't played something that you were so highly anticipating. There was another one. Um, oh, gosh, it looked like, man, I, I followed this game for like two years straight. And mm. uh, it I can't even remember the name of it. It looks like a whole H.R. Giger art style. And it looks like you're like in a weird, you know, version of hell. That game I saw at like the Scorn. Yes, Scorn. Yeah. Oh my gosh, me and all my friends, we bought it on release and everyone played it except for me. <laughs> uh, man, I waited for that for so long. I don't know why. I don't even have it installed. I have it bought. I didn't even install it. That's the only, like, I know about it. I don't know much about the quality or to it. I didn't, I haven't personally played it yet, but yeah. I heard it was like a walking simulator that you could shoot things in. That sounds like a first person shooter, Roman. <laughs> 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 Half-Life, by that definition, is a walking, walking no, <laughs> where you can shoot there's, there's a difference. It's just like, you know, when Scorn is so, like, their focus is the visuals and you experiencing the world that you're in, and then you turn a corner and there is an enemy. You know, and then after you take it down, you walk for another 30 minutes and then, oh, there's an enemy that I can interact with. Something like that. You okay. Know? A first person shooter to me is like Doom, where you it's nonstop. The only thing going for this game is the enemies and the soundtrack. All right. Well, I just covered Portal. Would you consider would you not consider Portal first person shooter? No, Portal is a puzzle game. Okay. That, there's a difference. There's a difference. Let's totally. talk about definitions. No, but this is a this is a hotly debated topic I'm sure gamers are totally normal about is the granular definitions of, <laughs> of one thing or another. Uh well portal man am i really gonna go down this you literally do not have to if you only if you want to portal portal i would say it has puzzles on the forefront mm-hmm. like it is in the first person it is a first person puzzle game sure of course you're shooting out little portal blobs to get where you're going from point a to point b um but i wouldn't necessarily consider that a shooter right now i'm playing hunt showdown which mm-hmm. is is a first-person shooter, almost survival horror game, where you're dropped into a Louisiana bayou and you have to extract with a bounty token from a monster. But everyone else is doing the same thing at the same time. So they're trying to get the same bounty token that you are. So whether they let you kill the boss and then they kill you or they kill you before they take you out, whether they bring in a sniper or a shotgun, there are puzzle elements to that game. It's a, it, You're thinking about strategy the whole time. But I would also I would consider it a first person shooter with puzzle elements. I would consider Portal a puzzle game with shooter elements. Sure. You know. Yeah. No. Again. Yeah. I I appreciate the insight because like these these things do matter to some people. Me, I'm like you know Portal make hole, uh, mm-hmm. gun make hole, therefore shooter. Gun uh, make hole. <laughs> gun make hole, therefore shooter. Uh, but you know, obviously, like. You know, these definitions are only really for your personal use, not really for somebody else to really if, you know, uh, people love to argue. But for yeah. me, Portal was the game that got me into the first person perspective in video games. I'll, I'll put it that way. So I do think it is significant in that way. So I will at least call it a first person shooter in the sense that it got me into playing or being more open minded about first person uh, video games. What did you play before Portal? 
uh for like what first person games no no just like uh like what was your what was your like go-to style of games before yeah uh before portal i was a nintendo kid i grew up with a nintendo 64 we had a ps2 but like the games i would play on there were like jack and daxter and kingdom hearts oh Uh, that makes sense yeah sly cooper kind of stuff so it was like a lot of like puzzle games platformers uh, if I did play a first, if I did play a shooter game, it was typically from like a, an over shoulder third person mm-hmm. perspective. I mean, like the other thing was like, you know, had a super religious mom. So mm-hmm. a lot of like more mature rated video games weren't yeah. really, I played a lot of fighting games. Like I played like the hell out of some Dragon Ball <laughs> fighting games and some fucking Yu-Gi-Oh card games and things like that. But, um, <laughs> listen, when I, uh, I, I said, I grew up with Crash Bandicoot and Spyro. I love Crash, but I was not a fan of Spyro. Trouble with the trolley, eh? I I wanted to be playing like Medal of Honor. Like when I was a little kid, all I wanted to do was be in World War II. Yeah. But uh, and so that was the game. <laughs> if I ever get, yeah, whenever I I ever since I was a little boy, all I wanted to do was kill Nazis. Fair. Uh, yeah, fair. Uh, but uh, uh, whenever I got in trouble, you know, it wasn't it wasn't Bust a Move '99 that my mom took from me. She took Medal of Honor and hid it in the closet. My dad and I once, we came home from a Fry's Electronics with two light guns and Area 51 for the PlayStation 1. Mm-hmm. As soon as we walked in that front door, my mom was like, guns? No. Area 51? Let me see that. Rated M? Take it back. It was a really long time until my mom was like, I guess this is fine. Like, I, I played the first Max Payne game, and as soon as she walked into the room, she saw a dead baby. She was like, take it back to Blockbuster. Get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, no, I remember playing the more mature games that I played early in my life were at friends' houses. Um, mm. Like, I think the real first, like, violent first-person shooter game I ever really played was, like, Halo or Halo. Like, one of the Halo games at, like, a neighbor's house. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Before that, like, I didn't really, like, get into the genre that much. And I, you know, probably just to, like, cope. I was like, I don't think much of this genre at all mm. because I don't have any games in the genre. But when I got Portal as like a gift from a friend of mine on Steam, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, Yeah, I'll I'll definitely like check out every other Valve game ever made, like Team Fortress 2 and Mm Half-Life. And like not I haven't really played more than an hour of Counter-Strike cumulatively in my life. It's great with friends Um, playing it online back in the day. And I have I have so many hours in it and I'm still not good. Some people are just great at that stuff. I have to I have to win that game through other means. not not like i cheat i just avoid combat and i go for the hostages but uh yeah first person shooters i remember when halo came out i remember looking at my dad when me and him were playing it together and i said games will never look better than this and uh it's funny now thinking about me saying that but at the same time i still kind of feel that i still Mm. feel it it halo one has aged so well i feel Mm. like games from that whole era have aged really well um in my opinion I am nostalgic for the GameCube, PlayStation 2, Xbox mm-hmm. era for sure. Uh, I covered Jet Set Radio last year, and that is a game oh, just damn. because of like how colorful it is, like holds up a lot better than most games. It's definitely an art direction thing. I do think that games like Halo uh, or something like that just hold up because they're a lot more colorful and have like just really strong art design and direction versus like you know something, especially since like that was when we finally started to figure out like 3D polygons and video games versus like the nintendo 64 and the playstation one where things were still uh these represent something rather than actually like look like something yeah i'm i'm kind of jealous of my friends that got to grow up with um the n64 and the super nintendo and uh and even the dreamcast i think dreamcast games look amazing me and my boss uh, we just finished playing ill bleed for the dreamcast super obscure horror game 
and we were surprised like you know we were playing the game and we're like wow what a janky piece of shit but every now and then we'd look at each other and we'd be like damn that looks good for the dreamcast like i how did they even render that so smoothly like it's pretty cool i i would always have to go over to my friend andy's house and uh and play the Dreamcast, play Crazy Taxi on the Dreamcast, or play uh, a Cube of War on the GameCube. If we wanted to play PlayStation or, or Xbox, we went over to my place. Right. The Dreamcast is a you know super underrated console in terms of like library and uh, what the like, hardware was capable of. Mm-hmm. Like I think the big thing with Jet Set Radio's design was like they were consciously saying we want to make this a game that could not possibly be ported onto the PlayStation Two, so put as much color in it as possible. Yeah. And that's it, like, hey, I mean. It holds up better than I would say most, if not all games on the PlayStation 2, just in terms of like how vibrant and uh, beautiful it looks. So, yeah, yeah, no, great, great game. You know, you talked about the consoles you grew up with as a kid. What would you say your favorite console ever is? That that is a that is a tough question. I grew up with the PlayStation 1. When I got my PlayStation 2, I played it for a bit. I feel like I didn't appreciate it as much as I should have because the Xbox had just come out and it blew me away. So I was playing games on the original Xbox. And then when the... I was very lucky because when the 360 and the Wii and the PlayStation 3 came out, I got all three for Christmas. And my family after that was like, we're never getting any video game consoles ever again. And I played the 360 till I got the red ring of death, sent it off, got my cardboard coffin. They fixed it up. It came back, had to send it off again. They fixed it again. About a year later, I played this thing to death. When I went to college, that's when I discovered the PlayStation 3. And I was like, wow, what was I missing out on? I was missing out on Street Fighter 4. I was missing out on every Metal Gear Solid game. I got the Metal Gear Solid collection. I was missing out on Heavy Rain which I loved playing that game. Looking back on it, ain't a good game, but man, <laughs> I would love to throw a party and just have a heavy rain party. We played mm-hmm. through the whole game with a bunch of drinks. But yeah, I just, I Marvel versus Capcom 3, like that, what a good fighting game. Mm-hmm. And then of course my PlayStation 3 died, as all PlayStation 3s did. And now I kind of rediscovered my love for the Wii, which the moment we got the Wii, we never played it. And uh, and now I realize I can play GameCube games on it. So I've got one GameCube game. I've got Eternal Darkness. Mm-hmm. I've been playing that nonstop and uh, forcing my friends to make me's at movie night. And uh, we play some Wii Sports. So mm-hmm. you're starting a Wii Sports bowling league. Yeah, I'm starting the Wii Sports bowling league. Uh, get your team ready. Um, <laughs> but I didn't I didn't kind of rekindle my love for the PlayStation 2 until I got my current job. Going back and playing all those games from my childhood, I kind of, I kind of didn't realize how much of the PlayStation Two I played. Because looking at my memory card, I maxed out, I maxed out the Warriors. I beat Grand Theft Auto Three and Vice City, like as a child. Um, I somehow beat Medal of Honor on the PlayStation One. I don't know how I did it, but I, I mean, of course, I probably, you know, called to my dad. <laughs> when he was working downstairs like dad please come and help me beat this um but uh i feel like i i don't remember much of that as a kid and i'm kind of like rediscovering it as an adult yeah like every time we play video games at your house we're playing the playstation 2 the thing you still have in your home right now mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons i wanted to bring you on the show is because you know i'm stoked to have you on the show for a lot of reasons i consider you mm-hmm. a close friend i love talking to you i think more and more people should hear how interesting you are 
But I'm also fascinated by your blind spots because I've I've played games at your house. We play PlayStation 2 all the time. We played Metal Slug together, uh, but we've also played some niche titles like uh, Bomberman Fantasy Race. And a couple weeks ago, you made me play this game I had never heard of called Incredible Crisis, which oh, is yeah. this extremely strange PS1 game co-designed by this guy, uh, Kenichi Nishi, who designed yeah. games like Moon, Remix RPG Adventure, LOL, Lack of Love. Uh, and uh, Chibi Robo, the game most people listening to this would probably be most likely to be familiar with. He did, he worked on all those games, but this was another game he worked on that I did not hear about until you showed it to me. Wow! I in fact, you know what's funny? I know nothing about Incredible Crisis. Mm-hmm. I really know nothing about that game. I bought it when I was in college because I was watching a ton of Game Grumps with my best friend Ty. Um, and so every time they had a weird game, I'm like, I gotta own this game. <laughs> um, the only reason why I bought a Super Nintendo was because uh, when I graduated high school, I saw some YouTube video of, of someone making a top 10 zombie games, and Zombies Ate My Neighbors was a Super Nintendo game. So I, Did you uh, play Zombies Ate My Neighbors? Oh, yeah. I bought. I spent 50 bucks on a Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. um, and then I found the game out in the wild, and I've been playing it ever since. I still play it. No, and that's the other thing is like I'm curious about your blind spots too because since you grew up in a PlayStation, Xbox, PC household, you had access to so many titles. But there's also like multiple series that I'm just completely fascinated by you missing entirely. Did you want to name some examples? Uh, Yeah. Never played a Metroid game. Never played a Mario game that wasn't uh, Mario Party or Mario Mm -hmm. Kart. Uh, Never played a Zelda game. Never played Animal Crossing, but watched the hell out of my friend Zach play Animal Crossing all the time. Never played WarioWare, but watched Zach play it on his DS. Basically, like anything that's Nintendo. The only Nintendo games that I that I really ever played was, uh, I think Eternal Darkness counts, <laughs> and that's very recent. <laughs> so yeah, never played Pikmin. Mm-hmm. Jeez, you played Pokemon Go. Did you ever play like a normal Pokemon game? Never. Never. I play Pokemon Go every day, meet up <laughs> with a ton of people, uh, and and raid every Wednesday. But I've never uh, played a Pokemon game. See, this is what that's fascinating. Like, this is no judgment. I'm not saying that like no. you know you know cast this guy out. But I'm just like fascinated by that because you know you have played Nintendo games, you have a Super Nintendo, you own a Wii, but you've never played any of the flagship series from that. Like you said, no Zelda, no Mario games that aren't Mario Party, Mario Kart. Uh, but you have played Eternal Darkness, which, for my money, <laughs> is among the least played Nintendo games oh, ever God. released. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's, it's like great. the only yeah. good Lovecraft anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just like notably a game that was like so deeply rare and expensive now, even relative to the other rare and expensive GameCube games. You know what's funny? I own, I actually own a Mario game. I own Super Mario RPG. Mm. And I've never played it. And in fact, I've never played an uh, an RPG like that. Really? Um, like no turn-based RPGs from like that era? Well, I played the Fallout games. Uh, sure. But that's there's there's a difference between like a JRPG and mm-hmm. and like the kind of asymmetric like dungeon crawler RPG. Right. But I played a ton of point and click adventure games like uh Grim mm-hmm. Fandango and and Sam and Max. Yeah, you're into a lot of like nineties point and click games. Oh yeah, like Alone in the Dark. Uh, I love like all the weird like phantasmagoria games and um, whenever whenever I went through my super edgy teenage phase when I was just like watching like 
gore films and trying to find violent video games and all that stuff that's when i discovered all those weird point and click games like this game was banned or blah 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 like i i loved kind of discovering weird gems like that Mm -hmm. because even when they're bad games like some of these games are borderline unplayable but they're so fascinating i have to keep going like ill bleed john and i we were just like oh my gosh this is like such a pain in the ass to play but man we've never seen anything like this yeah you have oh, a yeah. very interesting like artistic appreciation for the form which shows in like the, the types of games that you play uh you know these 90s point and click games and it also just speaks to like how strange you not strange in like a negative way obviously you care about you love you buddy but oh. just like you know strange in like the stuff that you haven't played that's so deeply mainstream and in grained in the culture of video games in the language of how we understand video games every adventure game like not every adventure game but so many adventure games that are just like built off of the you know legend of zelda the entire platforming genre all sort of coming out of super mario brothers but you have like an appreciation for like the very uh you know weird um avant-garde almost kind of video games <laughs> yeah i mean i i love being strange in fact i just started playing a game for the first time i've never played any of the legacy of kane games Mm-hmm. But I just got Blood Omen on the PlayStation 1, and I've been playing it, and one of my friends is just like, oh my gosh, this is just like goth, vampiric Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, that's cool. I like this game, so I guess I will like the first Legend of Zelda. Sure. So, it's maybe just like, one of these days. You have a Super Nintendo, and you haven't played A Link to the Past or Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. I that's on me too as your friend i can have you over at my house anytime just to like play these games but i don't know if it's like a seinfeld like i've never watched an i love lucy and i never will kind of thing i've never watched seinfeld (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) but i love that theme song yeah who doesn't but no yeah no i i just i just love hearing your take on games because you've played so much that i haven't or you know haven't seen haven't heard of haven't gotten to yet and at the same time like i played like all the zelda games most of the mario games uh a lot of the metroid series and it's so truly a part of my DNA. And I just love hearing from people who have just completely wildly different video game experiences. This is what the show's about. I want people from yeah. all types of, you know, form in relationship with video games. Well, I also, um, I've never really been like a true online gamer. I mean, I played Counter-Strike Source like crazy. Team Fortress 2. And I played Team Fortress 2. But, mod. but those weren't like that. I feel like that's not my bread and butter. I love being around people. And I love doing things with people. So when I want to play a Mario game, I want to play Mario Party. When I want to play a game on the Dreamcast, I want to play Crazy Taxi. And I want to be with all my friends. I want to switch off. Mm-hmm. So like, whenever it came to these like big storyline-type games, like Super Mario 64, I, I never had any interest in it. That's very funny. You call Mario a storyline type game. Continue, continue. Well, it is. I mean, it's like it's that it's levels, single, (laughs) it's that single player experience, right? But then I guess that's, ah, man, I'm just full of contradictions because I mean, uh, Half Life Two was such a formative game. Mm -hmm. Remember, my dad was like, my my dad showed me the E3 footage on our old on our old ass computer, and was just like, Roman, this is gonna change everything. And it sure did because I never got off the computer mm-hmm. uh, when I started playing that. And I, I think my dad like regrets it ever since. <laughs> He's just like, Jesus Christ, this kid's never going to go pick up a basketball ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I just like, uh, I like, I like getting people together. Like I don't want to play incredible crisis by myself. Like that mm-hmm. sounds like a miserable experience. You want to subject people to incredible. Yeah. Crisis. <laughs> and that, that, 
brings up another point. I find more joy in watching people play video games than I do actually playing them. Mm. I would go over to my friend Zach's house every day after school. Sometimes I wouldn't go home until the next day because I would just go there and watch him play Elder Scrolls for Oblivion mm-hmm. and Morrowind for that matter. But uh, the only thing of Oblivion that I played was the arena levels, but I watched the full playthrough in person at Zach's house and I loved it to this day. Like I, I like going over to my friend Sam's and I just like watching them play video games. Right. So in like yeah. the, uh, the archetype of a gamer, you are the, the mother on Christmas day watching the kid play with their toys. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's my thing. All right. Hell yeah. I mean, happy to hear all types of perspective on it. This is, genuinely fascinating and interesting to me and that's why i wanted to have you on the show to talk about that in addition to the game that we are going to spend the bulk of our time talking about but before we get into that roman what have you been playing lately well i've been playing a lot of eternal darkness um me and my me and my buddy sam we meet up every friday and we play eternal darkness or we watch an anime or or movies or something like that but it's been mainly eternal darkness um on pc i've been playing hunt showdown uh, with with my buddies from college, it's how we keep in touch, walking through the bayou, talking about our daily lives, and eventually we run into a cowboy and we got to deal with him. <laughs> On the PlayStation One, uh, I've been forcing my friends to play Incredible Crisis, and I've been playing the Bust a Move games. I've been thinking about dusting off Metal Gear Solid again and going through that again. It's been a while. They're about to be re-released. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. I'm I'm excited, except the newest console that I own in the house is the Wii. Yeah. <laughs> but on the on the PlayStation 2, um I've I've been playing uh the Warriors, um, just because that's my feel good game. I've been playing uh the Bouncer, uh, because it's just hilarious that a game like that had been made. It's the only Squaresoft game I think I own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just so bad it's good. Yeah, I think uh that's what I've oh, and I've been my friend Dakota and I, I've been trying to get them to play Bomberman Fantasy Race because mm-hmm. there's a betting aspect to it. So if I take my uh, memory card over to their place and plug it into their PlayStation, we can actually bet with the coins that we've won on our, both of our accounts and we can actually we can bet against each other. And uh, the game is so janky that you can't be good at it. So yeah. it's always even. I've tried. It, it, it's the game scares me. I like. I, I, I'm scared of. I played this game, and it, it, it's genuinely like scary. It's beautiful to look at. It has like the perfect like art style that I love. It has like that Mega Man Legends yeah feel to it that I really enjoy from that era. But it is also like, what am I doing? Why is it going so fast? Make it stop. Yeah, but when you when you pull through on that finish line in first place or even second, it is seriously like the best feeling in the world you feel like you've climbed mount everest it's insane we played it at like two in the morning and i screamed because i got in first place and my neighbor texted me to see if everything was okay yeah so it's fun yeah uh the metal gear solid collection is coming to the pc by the way just so you're aware oh thank god thank (laughs) god you can buy via steam yeah um because i have a secret i never beat metal gear solid 4 uh, the, the 4 isn't part of this collection yet. This is called Volume 1, so I don't know what they're doing with 4 yet. They don't have 4 or Peace Walker on the collection yet. Oh, what the fuck, guys? Come on. The PlayStation 3 had the whole collection. I, ha- I have these games that. at my house if you want to play them. <laughs> or watch me play them, whatever your fetish is. Um, 
uh, that's how I get off. It's watching yeah. you struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, or watching me watch the character struggle because that <laughs> game is mostly cutscene. Yeah. Oh, so is the bouncer. I beat the bouncer my first playthrough, no deaths, uh, in two hours, and the entire game uh, had about an hour and a half of cutscenes. Yeah. You 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 played a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. So that's what you've been playing lately. I've been playing, uh, you know, another game in tandem with another beat em up set in New York City. I've been playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Hell yeah. Uh, great little beat em up game. Uh, really pairs well with the game that we'll be talking about soon. Uh, here's the thing I think the Warriors and the Ninja Turtles are set in the same universe. I think there is nothing in the Warriors that contradicts the existence of Ninja Turtles in it. Uh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think that the Warriors universe is probably a little bit more ridiculous than the TMNT universe. So mm-hmm. that's a definitely that's a definite possibility. Yeah, no. I mean, if you if you said if they just like said the Foot Clan is coming after us, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, tracks. Uh, fucking shredders saying, can you dig it? Yeah, the crank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the game that we're talking about today was developed and published by Rockstar. Uh, you've talked about growing up with the Grand Theft Auto games. What is your relationship with uh, other Rockstar games? What are your personal favorites? Oh, well, um, the first Rockstar game I ever got was Grand Theft Auto 3 because of the cool kid down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, then after that, I was kind of hooked with every release that they had. I mean, Vice City came out. Yeah, but when Vice City came out, I remember seeing the trailer for Vice City uh, right before uh, the premiere of Lost. Um, I don't know if that was if that was the trailer for Vice City or if it was the trailer for Grand Theft Auto 3 and Vice City both being released on Xbox. Um, But it was around that time um, I remember seeing uh, the trailers for Manhunt and being absolutely terrified. Every time Mm -hmm. I'd go to Blockbuster, I wouldn't go down that aisle that had it because the cover used to scare me. (laughs) What else? What other Rockstar games... Um, State of Emergency, my friend would play a lot, but uh, I would just kind of like watch him play it. It's a weird game. I used to get that uh, game confused with another game. I think it was called Bad Day LA or something like that, which is a total, total pile of shit that is not even worth playing. But yeah, uh, The Warriors, I was pumped for day one whenever I saw that trailer. Um, And I can't remember what came first in my life the game or the movie but um when that movie came out on dvd like the director's cut i begged my dad to take me to every movie store so we can find it on dvd man it was uh it was an adventure we eventually found it at a plano texas uh movie trading company which unfortunately doesn't exist anymore they had it and i wore that dvd out yeah no i mean rockstar i mean like that period of time in the 2000s, especially, they are one of the most influential developers of that time. Grand Theft Auto 3 sort of completely uh, changed the the way video games were developed because everybody's like, we need to have an open world video game. This is this is the future. And, you know, we're a little saturated now with open world games. That's yeah. definitely a problem. It's a big but buzzword. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is still one of my favorite games of all time. You know, I love San Andreas. I love Bully. I love yeah. all, all those like PS2 era games of theirs i played i've never played manhunt yet and this was the first time i played Ooh. the warriors for the show but the games that i have played from that era really stand out to me and the fact that they're putting out so much because they had like so many different you know development studios yeah. in different parts of the world all those psp 
titles too, like Liberty mm-hmm. City Stories, Vice City Stories. It's like it's insane what their output was. Yeah, they cranked them out. They cranked them out all the way up to Rockstar Ping Pong or whatever that one was. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, what's funny? I I've had Bully for a really long time. I've still never popped it in my PlayStation. You haven't played Bully? No, no. I I really want to though, but. Yeah, that that era of of Rockstar, they put out so much volume that it was like hard to keep up. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I love cowboy shit, so give me Red Dead Revolver. I played the I played the hell out of that game, and uh, I wanted Manhunt so bad. I had to like, I had to work something out. I don't know how I got that game. Still never beat Pigsy at the end. But it was yeah, all the all the games from like that era kind of had the same same weird art style where everything was kind of muddy but they managed to make it pop in some way yeah yeah it was uh it's really really interesting but i played the shit out of the warriors whenever whenever you ask me to be on this podcast i'm like i'm gonna play through this game again <laughs> and i check my memory card i can't believe i 100 percented it mm. that thing was 100 percent. i had all 365 characters unlocked i looked at my old gang which was so cringy. I spelled everything. Everything that had an S in it was spelled with a Z because I thought that was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> the assholes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think my gang was called Gangstas. <laughs> oh, no. My gang was called The Sprays because I was uh, obsessed with graffiti when I was like 12. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, I appreciate you picking this game because it's finally motivated me to play a game i you know been aware of but never got around to playing but before we get into it we keep teasing it but we haven't gotten into it yet this is a game that's also based on a film mm-hmm. uh licensed video games come up pretty often on this show we just talked about it for at length with adequate emily i've talked about two star wars games in this show so far i've talked about goldeneye 007 and now we're talking about a game based on a 1979 film wasn't even released uh, like contemporaneously like wasn't even released nearly around the same time as uh, that movie it's based on. What is your relationship like with video games based off of movies? Like, what are some ones that stand out that you like, and what are some remarkably bad ones that you can remember? Well, most of the time, video games based off of the movies just completely blow. Of like, course, there's no redeemable qualities to them. But it's they're, they're cranked it's out. It's like a tying thing. Out. Yeah. It's funny that you say. Um, that this this game based off of a film from 1979 didn't even come out close to to when the when the movie came out but it came out almost simultaneously with the director's cut DVD like yeah. on in the special features of that DVD you can watch the video game's trailer on the special features of the game I'm pretty sure you can watch the trailer for the for the movie that's why I can't remember what came first in my mind I might have seen the trailer for the for the video game first and then begged my dad to take me to get the movie but uh, as for games that are based off of movies, um, I mean, GoldenEye 007, I would go over to Zach's and play that all the time. We do slappers only. We'd, I'd always play his odd job because he comes with that one hit kill hat and he was shorter than every other player model. Mm-hmm. That's a great that's a great tie in. Although on my console, the PlayStation one, I had Tomorrow Never Dies. The video game was using an old script for the movie. So it gets about halfway through and then it completely deviates from the plot of the movie. The movie's not that great, but I used to watch that all the time when I was a kid. That ain't Goldeneye. Pierce Brosnan is still my James Bond. Mm -hmm. The game's not good, but it's fascinating. And I do recommend people try to play it all the way through. 
think it's a good playthrough. Um, I recently discovered another movie tie-in game, uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, which yeah. uh, that film is probably one of the worst films I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> although uh, my friend Bruno brought back from New York an early screening copy of it, a previs of X-Men Origins Wolverine, and it's so funny. If anyone has a way to watch X-Men Origins Wolverine without any of the visual effects in it, y'all should do that right now. It's It's so funny. Yeah. Before we talk about how great the uh, tie-in <laughs> game is compared to the dog shit movie, remember yeah. people, X-Men Origins Wolverine was a film made because as a direct consequence of the 2007 writer strike. And it's a very important reminder that you should pay your fucking writers. You pay your fucking writers. Jesus yeah. Christ. People. Or you'll get another X-Men Origins Wolverine. <sighs> uh, continue, Roman. <laughs> that, that game is surprisingly good. It's very playable. Damn. Well, what a good game. Uh, the Punisher movie with Thomas Jane. It's not a good movie, but I love that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not a good Punisher, but I can watch I can watch Thomas Jane do anything. So I'll watch that movie. The video game. It's not a direct tie-in with the movie. Came out around the same time though. Um, almost got an adults-only rating, which is pretty interesting. Was almost banned. Uh, they had to turn all the torture scenes into black and white instead of color. That was their way of getting around it. Okay. But that's a that's a great game. Super underrated. Um, other movie tie-in games that that I played. You're on the PS2, which is basically made of those. Yeah, it's made of them, but I I rarely, I rarely like asked for them because I feel I feel like as a kid I knew better. <laughs> I I just knew that they they were gonna be shit. Although I I sure as hell went out to go watch every every movie that was based off of a video game, and I don't know how I didn't catch on that they were all gonna be terrible. So. <laughs> No, I get it though. Like I, yeah. like you said, a lot of the video game tie-ins were really bad because uh, these were things that were meant to sort of be made in tandem to come out around the same time. They were rushed. Uh, they weren't made with like the love and care that a good video game needs to be made. So a lot of them end up pretty shitty. But then a lot of them also just end up really good. Like, why would a Warriors game be made 25 years plus after the movie came out unless somebody really fucking wanted to make a Warriors video game? So, Roman, you know, you're not the first guest I've had to talk about a video game movie. And for the past couple times this has happened, I've played a game with my guests. And this game is what I like to call Rank and Cinephile. Roman, I have in front of me five video games that are based on popular films, and your job is to rank them based on their current score on the review aggregation website Metacritic, with one being the game with the highest score, five being the game with the lowest score. Now remember, you know, it's based off of a cumulative ranking of, okay. you know, what a bunch <laughs> of critics thought at the same time. It's not your personal ranking, so it's understandable if you disagree. Metacritic is not an objective measurement. We need to stop getting <laughs> so in our heads about Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. It's ruining the discourse and how we engage with art because we just I say love numbers. numbers. I love yeah. percentages. Give it to me. Yeah, numbers. Those are the most important thing. Um, but just so you're clear what the rules and conditions are for this game. The prize is nothing. I'm doing this because I think it's fun. Perfect. Uh, you're not playing against me. I'm just the host and mm. you're the guest. It would be inherently stacked against you. You got to give me the full ranking. You can't guess them one at a time. You can't say three and then look at me and then expect me to react. I want you to give me the one, two, three, the four, and the five. Okay. You don't need to guess the score. You do not need to guess what the score is. That is Perfect. not a factor. 
You just got to guess the placement on the list. Normally when I do this segment, the Metacritic score I use is based on the highest rated version of the game. If a game was on multiple platforms, I would usually go by the highest score. Hmm. But since we're talking about a video game adaptation of a movie from 1979, which was 21 years when the PlayStation would be released in 2000, which is now 23 years ago, I'm doing a special version of this segment called the 40-year-old version, a.k.a. (laughs) you're putting PS2 on a pedestal. (laughs) Yep. Every game on this list that I'm going to give you, Roman, is going to be based on a film that is now at least 40 years old and was released on the PlayStation 2. And the Metacritic score I'm going off of is going to be off the PlayStation 2 version. Uh, I'm interested to see how this goes because I picked three games that I know for a fact that you own. These are the five games, and I want you to guess what their ranking is. One to five. Evil Dead Regeneration. Ooh. Jaws Unleashed. Oh, yeah, baby. The Thing. Godzilla Save the Earth. Ooh. And Scarface. The World is Yours. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'll repeat the list as many times as you need. Okay, well, hold on. Let me see if I remember it. Let me see if I remember it. Okay. We got got The Thing. We got Scarface. We've got Evil Dead Regeneration. Not Fistful of Boomstick and not Hail to the King. Yes, specifically Regeneration. Regeneration. We've got Godzilla Save the Earth. Mm -hmm. Shit, what was that last one? Jaws Unleashed. Jaws Unleashed. Okay, okay, okay. Let me rank them. Okay. If I remember correctly, Jaws Unleashed was not received well at all. But my friend Austin, man, he loves Jaws and he loved this game so much. <laughs> I, just, I had to buy it. I mean, a game, how do they even come up with that idea? All right, you play the shark. You're going to kick Orca's ass. So I, I'm going to say that that's number five. That's okay. ranked the lowest. That's number five. Oh, actually... I remember the Thing video game got got totally shit on when that first came out. I like, I mean, X-Play hated it. Have even at the blockbuster, like, because the Thing was one of my favorite movies. So I'm like, of course I got to get this game. Every single person I talked to was like, do not buy this game. It is not good. Uh, wasn't until I started working at the toy store that they were that everyone was like, oh, it's actually, you know, it's uh, it's a uh, really interesting mechanics. So. I'm actually going to place The Thing at number five and Jaws Unleashed at number four. I'm going to do Godzilla Saves the Earth at number three because I never played it. I still have not seen any gameplay of it. All I know is the cover. People love big lizards and it's probably a decent beat-em-up. So I'm going to put Godzilla Save the Earth at number three. Okay. The first Evil Dead game, Hail to the King, is borderline unplayable on the PlayStation 1. But I have it because I love it. Because uh, I love Evil Dead. <sighs> Fistful of Boomstick was my first introduction to the Evil Dead games. I played the shit out of that one. But if I remember correctly, Evil Dead Regeneration was very well received. Aside from some uh, repetitive gameplay, I think like X-Play and all the other G4 uh, and Game Informer things that I would read. I think they actually liked it. So I'm going to put Evil Dead Regeneration at number two. Um number one is Scarface baby. Scarface rules. That is the best Grand Theft Auto ripoff I have ever played right off of the bat you just play the end of that movie and turns out it's just like you know what maybe you don't die maybe you rebuild your empire and learn some lessons along the way (laughs) you know (laughs) maybe 
maybe uh, Tony like Montana. He doesn't learn any lessons. <laughs> he doesn't learn a single thing. Uh, man, I remember when I was a kid, because uh, I had to rent that game. I, there was no way that my parents would buy that for me. So uh, I had to rent it. And I remember like feeding people to, to lions in the zoo uh, <laughs> in, in Scarface, The World is Yours. That, that movie and game just totally rips. So that's my ranking. That's my ranking. Okay. Scarface is number one. So I'm going to read it back to you to make sure yeah. that I'm representing your ranking correctly. You, so number one, you say is Scarface. Number two, Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Number three, Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Number four, Jaws Unleashed. Yep. And number five, The Thing. Yep. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. You got zero out of five correct. Shit. Now, <laughs> what's funnier is that when you were rattling off the list of games, you got them in the exact correct order. Shut up. I am not kidding you. The correct order is The Thing, which has a 78 out of 100. Wow. Uh, the PlayStation 2 version. This is all the PlayStation 2 versions I'm reading off. Yeah. Scarface The World Is Yours is number two, 75. Uh, Evil Dead Regeneration, 68. Uh, Godzilla Save the Earth, 62. And at the very bottom, Jaws Unleashed with a 52. I mean, what were they expecting? You play as a big shark. Of course, it's gonna be. <laughs> of course, it's gonna be shit. But man, don't the you want to just? Dolphin dis- fandom will be hearing from. Be don't hearing you want to just destroy Sea World as a big shark? Like, what are you looking for? <laughs> <laughs> a better game is what people yeah. are saying. <laughs> that's okay. That's that's my that that is what I guessed people and like how people would like those games. Of course, I I think out of all of those games, the thing is my favorite. Because I think it's just cool as hell. Sure. Like if I were to rank them on how I enjoy them, the thing is number one. Okay. Um, Jaws Unleashed is at the very bottom. <laughs> I have never played the Godzilla one, so I can't rank it. But um, Evil Dead Regeneration, I'd I'd put it number two, and Scarface, I'd put somewhere in the middle. All right. There's only one place in the middle. Number three. <laughs> number three. Yeah. Yay. This list was actually pretty difficult to make because the craziest thing is that there aren't those aren't the only movies that fit the pretty narrow criteria of PlayStation 2 game based on a movie at least 40 years old. I'm not going to do every single one of them, but I've talked about this on previous episodes, the Godfather video game. Oh, yeah. Remember that and Mafia came out at around the same time and Mafia was just so much better, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, there's also the From Russia with Love video game featuring the voice of Sean Connery. Mm hmm. And of course, like you said, there's multiple Evil Dead video games that came out uh, on the PlayStation ecosystem, including A Fistful of Boomstick, which also came out on the uh, PlayStation 2. Rules. Uh, I was tempted to just do a version of this game that's just Evil Dead games, maybe in the future, <laughs> who's to say? Uh, sure. But yeah, there's a surprisingly large number of Evil Dead, video- like Evil Dead trilogy, probably my favorite trilogy, if I had to like, you know, yeah. say it. Evil Dead 2, like legit top five films ever made. It's perfect. Yeah. So... We are about to finally talk about the game that you picked. But before we do, one oh more thing. God. You've talked about uh, some games that mean a lot to you. Before we move on, uh, I want you to represent your taste once again. What are some other games that you feel mean a lot to you that you easily could have talked about that isn't just the Warriors? Hmm. That's tough. I feel, like, I feel like I could have talked about Zombies Ate My Neighbors or Street Fighter 4. Hmm. You know, any of those games that I really bonded with my best friend, uh, Ty, when we were in college, maybe even maybe even Halo 1 and 3, or or talking about any any of the games I list off on Steam, like Half-Life, that entire series, I could have talked about that. 
Yeah. Who wouldn't talk about that? You know, I don't know. That's a, that's a, it's a tough one that I, um, I was, I wasn't able to find a concrete answer for. Cause like when I, when I, when the, when the option came up, you're immediately like the warriors. Yeah. Because I, man, I, that's, that's a game that no one talks about. And it's such a bummer that nobody talks about it because it's a, it's just such a unique game in every way. It's a good movie adaptation. It's it's a great beat 'em up. It's timeless in its uh, in its multiplayer aspect. Like you can pick it up and play it any day of the week with some of your friends. There's just a lot to talk about with it, and we will. Let's let's finally talk about it now. So uh, this is the game you picked, Roman. Game released in 2005. A game that you did not hesitate when the option came up to talk about a game on my show. We are, of course, talking about The Warriors. is a beat-em-up game based on the 1979 film directed by Walter Hill, which itself was based on the 1965 novel written by Sol Urich. The game was published by Rockstar Games, the publisher known for franchises such as Grand Theft Auto, Manhunt, Midnight Club, and Red Dead. The game was developed by their Toronto studio, which is mainly known for developing the PC ports of other Rockstar games such as Grand Theft Auto 4 and 5, as well as Max Payne 3. The game's technical director was Kevin Hoare, and the creative director was Greg Bick, who tragically passed away of a heart attack at the age of 44 in March of 2008. The game was written by Dan Van Zant, Michael Thomas Acano, and John Zerhelen. The game was composed by Steve Donahoe. Licensed music from the film is also used. The game was directed using the Renderware engine, an engine developed by Criterion Games that Rockstar also used for their PS2-era GTA games, as well as Bully. Some... But not all actors from the Warriors film reprised their roles in this game. Michael Beck, James Ramar, Deborah Van Valkenburg, Dorsey Wright, Thomas G. Waits, and David Harris all reprise their original roles. The actors who did not return were replaced with new voice actors. Two I wanted to draw attention to really quickly. Joe Latruglio, who people may know from The State and Wet Hot American Summer and Reno 911 and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, voices vermin in this version. And Michael Potts from The Wire and season one of True Detective voices Cyrus. Uh, the leader of the Gramercy Rifts, who the Warriors are falsely accused of killing. Uh, Roger Hill, who played Cyrus in the original film, sued Take-Two Interactive, who are the, the studio that owns Rockstar. He sued Take-Two for $250,000 in 2006 for using his likeness in the game without his permission. Uh, I believe that he passed away before that uh, case was officially uh, resolved. Daryl McDaniels also known as DMC from Run DMC, voiced a character original to the game named Scopes, who is a graffiti artist. As for the game's plot, 
The game is very faithful to the film. It opens the same way the film does, uh, where a meeting of nine delegates from each gang in New York City is called by Cyrus, the leader of the Gramercy Rifts, and it's held in Van Cortlandt Park, which is in the Bronx in New York City. and does a very good job establishing the world of the warriors, but it is interrupted by a single dissident, Luther, the leader of the rogues, who shoots him from the crowd. Before shenanigans can ensue, however, the game deviates from the movie with a flashback to three months before the events of the film. You see, the game has 18 story missions. The first 13 of them are set before the events of the film. As you proceed through the story, you also unlock five additional bonus missions that go even further back in time, where you can explore the origins of the Warrior as a gang and how each major member came to join it. As for the gameplay, the Warriors is advertised as a beat-em-up, but it's not quite as simple as that. Melee combat and brawling are certainly one of the main things you can do in the Warriors video game, and a second player can drop in and out at any time. But there's much more freedom and variety in the gameplay. Not only do you fight people, you also have to use stealth to hide from cops or rival gangs looking for you. You can tag things with graffiti, you can rob stores and steal radios from cars, as well as mug people. Throughout the story, you receive objectives like winning a graffiti competition or stealing to raise funds to move the story along. You're not just fighting people in various set pieces to progress the storyline. Uh, you have multiple playable characters in this game, and each of the warriors seen in the film has a mission where you play as them. But the characters you play as is always predetermined before each mission and the rest of your gang with you is controlled with Warchief commands where you can command them to do things like fight for you, vandalize, watch your back, hide, hang back, or follow you. In between levels, you return to the warrior's home base, a warehouse in Coney Island where you can work out to increase stamina, talk to your fellow warriors to get their takes on recent events, 
and play side games like Rumble Mode, the multiplayer mode that you talked about earlier, Roman, as well as Armies of the Night, a more traditional beat-em-up that you unlock when you complete all of the game's missions. Uh, you can also leave the Warrior's base and explore Coney Island on your own time, where you can take on a variety of objectives that grant your characters perks and abilities that make missions easier. Although this is a Rockstar game with a hub world you can play around in, the Warriors is true to the essence of the film. And there are no guns. You can't operate any vehicles. All melee weapons you pick up, even baseball bats and knives, will eventually break. The Warriors video game was released on the PlayStation 2 and Xbox on October 17, 2005. Other games released in 2005 include God of War, Guitar Hero, Psychonauts, Shadow of the Colossus, Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie. Nice. Midnight Club 3, Dub Edition. Grand Theft Auto, Liberty City Stories. Ultimate Spider-Man. And three games previously covered on this show, Star Wars Battlefront 2, which I did with Caroline, Resident Evil 4, which I covered with Eric, and Pokemon Emerald, which I covered with our mutual baby boy, Avery Ott. Oh, Avery. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, take it easy, baby. Make it last all night. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, 2005 remains our most covered year to date on the show. Roman, did you play any of the games I just threw out there? I know you didn't play Pokemon. Uh, I played the King Kong game mm -hmm. whenever that came out. I It was it was fine. It was fine. It was exactly what I was looking for as a kid. Um, <laughs> I played... Uh, what's it called? Um, Resident Evil 4, but much later than uh than 2005 i think i played that around maybe like 2008 yeah i got the greatest hits version of it um because i played uh, i was playing resident evil director's cut and resident evil 3 at the time and i didn't like the switch to third person i liked the much more traditional survival horror of the um original shooting in that game was like so frustrating for me yeah, it was a it was a very interesting experience. Now I love Resident Evil Four. I love Resident Evil Four too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, still haven't played the remake. Heard good things. Fantastic. Um, God of War, Guitar Hero, Psychonauts. Any of those? I didn't play Psychonauts for the first time until last year. Oh wow! And it is incredible. I love Double Fine. I think their games are wonderful. Interesting. Now we're talking about the Warriors. Now, what ultimately made you decide on the Warriors? It just, I, I have no idea. When you asked me to come on the podcast, the first thing that came to my mind was The Warriors. Yeah. I, I loved the film, um, and I loved the game. I remembered playing it a shit ton when I was a kid. I even played it with my dad sometimes. Um, it's one of those games that, that I have associated in my memory with a certain food. Like when I played Skyrim, all I, I can taste zebra cakes. Mm -hmm. When I played Fallout 3, I can taste a Mexican Coke. When I played the Warriors, I can taste ruffles and cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't tried that combo, don't don't knock it until you try it. Ruffles and cream cheese rule. Regular um, ruffles? Regular wavy ruffles. Okay. And and just dipping it in some in some cream cheese. But uh, yeah, I just and and uh I was surprised when going back to play it that I 100%ed it. So it's like in my subconscious, I was just like the Warriors, the Warriors, the Warriors. It calls to you. Yeah, it called to me, and I feel like it's something that I can talk for an entire day on. All right. Well, I'm going to put you to that task. Now, you talked earlier saying you don't really quite remember whether you like played the game first or the movie first. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember any of your childhood experience with uh, the Warriors besides the fact that you had a bunch of uh, ruffles with cream cheese? Yes. <laughs> um, uh, as for the movie, I, like I said before, I, I begged my dad to take me to every uh, movie store until I found it. We bought it. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those movies that kind of lived in my DVD player at the time uh, because I'd get home from school and I'd watch it sometimes twice in a row. Um, I dressed up as a baseball fury for Halloween that year. I talked to my mom about like, hey, where were you when this movie came out? And she was like, oh, I was very young and the baseball clowns scared me. And then getting the Warriors video game, my dad and I, we went to Fry's Electronics in Dallas, Texas or Plano. I don't know where. We hunted that game down. I found it on the PlayStation 2. The disc isn't pristine, but it it plays. It's it's a tank, but that, that packaging and the manual flipped through all the time. I used to take that manual to uh, school and read it at recess. Like, that's how much I loved this game. I, I'm pretty sure I had to have watched the movie first, but it was very, very close in ti- in my timeline with the game. Right. Uh, and I also wanted to talk to you about the movie a little bit because it does feel like of a piece with the movie. Uh, obviously, the last five missions of the game are a direct adaptation of the events of the film. Dialogue repeating. They got the actors back from the movie to play their respective mm-hmm. roles, the ones who did come back at least. What are your thoughts on the Walter Hill movie? I think the film is fantastic. And I, I do think it's timeless. It's weird. It's like set in a weird future 1979 it feels it feels like it takes place like a year after you know a year after 1979 where crime has just taken over this city shredder um, is running rampant yeah, on shredder is running <laughs> rampant the only thing that can stop all these street gangs are the warriors and the turtles man i love films where it's like try, people trying to get from point a to point b like you know like big trouble in little china and um and uh oh man i can't even think of one off the top of my head uh i guess streets of fire which is another walter hill movie i love adventure films like that and this film uh, the cast of characters are great i love that it's low budget i guess after playing the game and watching the movie not much happens in the movie there's a lot of running and a lot of one-two punch and the 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 gang got him but how the film progresses and the trials and tribulations our characters have to go through, it really puts you on edge. And remember, like, the Warriors are not good guys. You know, they're just the people that we experience the film through. They're still a gang. They're still committing crimes. They say a lot of unsavory dialogue, you know? Yeah. But that's just them. It's a, it's, it's, it's very, like, testament to the power of filmmaking thing because, like, even though they are gangs and, you know, they do say some unsavory things... Um, Ajax in particular, like yeah. opens the film by saying a homophobic slur. Yeah, it's very uh, lurid as a film, and Walter Hill's mm-hmm. a very lurid director. He's, but not in like a way that's like he is a hateful person. No. I think uh, he is has like very strong moments of empathy or like a point mm-hmm. that he is driving across, but he's just not very overt with it. He presents this gang world with such neutrality. Yeah, and just like it's very matter of fact that this is the way that the world is for these characters, and by putting this particular gang on the defensive where every other gang on in new york city is pursuing them and wants to destroy them because of a misunderstanding of something that they didn't even do you know it compels you to root for them because you don't want these characters to be brutally wasted by other gang members 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think Walter Hill likes good guys, and I don't think he likes bad guys. I don't think he likes black and white. I think he likes presenting people as who they are, you know, uh, people with flaws. Watching the film Forty Eight Hours by Walter Hill, or watching uh, Extreme Prejudice, or or Southern Comfort, none of those characters are are good, but they are our characters. You know, there are racists that live in this world, and there are. Uh, people who are homophobic and there are people who won't think twice to use violence to solve their problems and uh, he much like Akira Kurosawa is one of those people that's that's like this is our job as humans to watch and experience and know these things that are out in the world and for us to differentiate what is good and what is bad and I think that's I think that's extremely interesting yeah, no, it's interesting you mentioned the movies that you did bring up because I have seen three Walter Hill films. I love The Warriors. I watched it for the first time two years ago. Watched it again recently at your movie night a few months ago. Pin in that. Uh, but in preparation for this episode, I watched a couple more Walter Hill films, uh, Streets of Fire and 48 Hours, both of which nice. I really, really enjoyed. And both feature uh, actors from The Warriors. James Ramar, who plays Ajax in the, this, in, uh, the Warriors, is the villain in 48 Hours. And David yeah. Patrick Kelly who plays Luther in The Warriors, plays a character named Luther in 48 Hours. It's very yeah. funny. But yeah. No, like to your point about um, 48 Hours, like there's a scene in there. I mean, like the movie's good across the board. It's very much like Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy while the camera's rolling sort of thing. Like these performances, just like their, their charisma and screen presence is carrying this movie across the finish line. It's like good to watch them as actors. But like there's the scene in the bar where he's like going into a Confederate bar and he's a black man who is like put in a position where he's the only black man and they're overtly racist and he like takes control of the situation. It's a very great, incredible scene in this movie. And there's a scene that I'm going to talk about later in The Warriors that like really sticks with me a lot. So it's like it's just interesting because he does portray such, you know, despicable aspects of this world and presents them so matter of factly roll the camera on this type of world that's being created here. But he also does like he's not just like doing it for the sake of shock value or for schlock. He does have things on his mind and is just like interested in situations and dynamics. Yeah, he's a, I th- he's one of my favorite filmmakers. I, I unknowingly watched like three Walter Hill movies in, in a week. And I was just like, man, I really like those films. And when I looked them up, it was the same director every time. I was <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. There's more of his movies I still want to see. I still want to watch The Driver. Uh, you told me that you wanted to watch Southern Comfort with me. Yes. Oh, my gosh. What a crazy movie. Still totally down to do that. Uh, who's your favorite warrior? Ooh, man. That is a tough one. Because when I was a kid, I think Rembrandt was prob- probably my favorite because I was going through the uh, graffiti phase. Sure. The baby of the group. Yeah, the baby of the group. He he was their artist, which in the movie, he sprays one W. In the game, he is putting up burners, <laughs> tagging trains, competing in art competitions, messing up mimes. <laughs> He's also holding his own in fights in the game a little bit better than he did in the movie. But um, now, listen, he's a piece of shit. He deserves everything that he gets in the game and in the movie. But Ajax, I love the shit-talking tough guy who, who just barrels through every problem. I, when I play Dungeons & Dragons, I play, uh, I play a barbarian that hates people, and uh, I kind of model him off of Ajax. Hmm. You know, He just likes to get into fights, and he talks a lot of shit, 
and then every time he gets his ass kicked, turns out he's a wimp. Who named you leader? I got as much right to take over as you. It was Cleon's choice, Swan's war chief. Oh, right about now, Cleon's most likely got a nightstick shoved halfway up his ass. <laughs> Shit. I bet you can't even find the subway. Maybe we ought to talk about this later, huh? Well, what's wrong with right now? I don't want to be a warlord. Make you move. I think it's I think it's a really he's a really interesting character. And I just love the actor James Remar. Yeah. I really do. I think he's, he's just com- in the Oppenheimer movie that came out. Oh he is? Oh yeah, he's man, like very briefly he's in it. But yeah. Man, I, I think he's so underused in all these movies. I mean he's plays two completely different characters in Django Unchained. Mm. So I mean I in the beginning of Django Unchained he gets his brains blown out and it's just like, man, I wish he was still in this movie and then he's at the end of the movie he just shaved his beard and he has a mustache <laughs> like all right sure. he's completely different with the facial hair because i didn't clock him as the villain in 48 hours because he's so clean shaven he's a pretty boy in the yeah. warriors in in uh, uh another character i really really loved uh, i have to give give him props i really love the fox yeah this fox is it was played by an actor that i really enjoyed he he plays uh windows in the thing um, mm-hmm. And I just can't remember his name uh, off the top of my head. I met him at Texas Frightmare, and he's a wonderful person. Thomas G. Waits. Thomas G. Waits, yes. Because no, I, I had this, like, yeah, it's like, because I want to say Tom Waits every single time. Him him, and Walter Hill uh, notoriously butted heads on the set of The Warriors nonstop. He was supposed to be the original love interest with Mercy. Yeah. But he, Walter Hill wrote him out. He's just like, all right, I'm going to have you get run over by a train. And, yeah, uh, and the most horrific way you can write a character yes. out of the movie just abruptly hit by a train yeah he hated him that much and then thomas g waits was like strike my name from the credits and he came back for the game and we came credited. back for the game this is the first time his name was in the credits for the warriors yeah i, yeah. I really love i really love him i think he's a great character i love him as the quiet scout you know yeah there's two characters that i really came away loving after re-watching the movie and uh playing the game and I, I think I settled on it's either Vermin or Rembrandt that yeah. I love. And both specifically because of the scene in the movie. I guess we'll officially cross over into spoiler country mm-hmm. so we can talk about this more um, openly. Well, spoiler zone, guys. Um, the scene <laughs> where both of them uh, are in the Lizzie's like base. Yeah. Because like me, because Rembrandt's like basically like something's weird is going on here. What's up with uh, it's like the scene in uh, The Simpsons where Homer's like, There's something bothering me about this place. I know! This lesbian bar doesn't have a fire exit! Enjoy your death trap, ladies! Shit, the chicks are packed! The chicks are packed! And Berman, for his like reaction of like, man, these girls are so hot, I want to make out with all... <laughs> For See, both of those reasons, I think they're my favorite. Uh, and I love, I love Vermin because he's just the mouth. He's like mouth from the Goonies. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's so much fun. But at the same time, like, oh my god, Cochise, Cochise is basically it, it, everything that comes out of his mouth is gold. Like he is such, he's got a great voice. Um, but also, when I was a kid, I thought that um, the guy who played Cleon was just so cool. 
Yeah. I loved I loved his do rag. I love like his style. I love his no nonsense, like dirty hairy like style of leading. He really came into his own in the video game. Like I'm glad that they made this video game. Like, yeah, because Cleon he's thing. he's a great character, and since he's out of the movie very quickly uh, during the riot scene at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. you don't really get to embrace this character. And then Swan sort of takes over as the de facto leader of the warriors. But no, yeah, the game gives him so much material and gives him like the origin story for who the warriors are. And it's all good stuff. So I'm glad that, like you said, this game does so much with the Cleon character. There was a deleted scene that was shot for the movie about with Cleon and his girlfriend before the meeting. Like mm-hmm. him saying goodbye and not to worry and all that stuff. And just to give him like some character development. But Walter Hill cut it because he was like, it's just going to cut into the badass score and the train scene. It's it's going to it's going to pull from the film. So we got to get it out. Yeah. And like you said earlier, this wasn't the only Warriors related thing that came out in 2005. 2005 wasn't just a big year for video games, Roman. It was just a big year for the Warriors in general. Except for the Golden State Warriors, who uh, failed to qualify for the playoffs the 12th year in a row for the 2005 to 2006 season. Not a good year for the Golden State Warriors. But big year otherwise for things called the Warriors. Not only did the director's cut that you talked about earlier come out, and not only did this video game come out, there was also the Mezco Toys line of action figures for the Warriors, which featured five members of the titular gang, as well as a baseball fury. I yeah. didn't know that Mezco put out those action figures. I didn't even know that there were action figures. Yeah. Also, I need to get that baseball fury. <laughs> um, but that's that's a shame they didn't put out the whole gang. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's already like a tough sell to like have again like a twenty six year old movie at the time sort of thing. And Man. but like it would make sense, and it would make sense like if we're gonna have one non warrior in here, the baseball fury has to be in there. Yeah, and I guess like I love all the characters. I used to think Snow was really, really cool looking. But yeah, he wasn't a great character. He wasn't a great character until the video game. Oh, and Cowboy. Oh my god. I wanted to be Cowboy so bad, but he is kind of a <laughs> pussy in the movie. He he needs to he he really came into his own in the video game. That's it. See, it's I can't pick a favorite warrior, Kiefer. That's impossible. You know, I'm glad we had the conversation, at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the ultimate director's cut that you talked about, that version of the film was released on DVD by Paramount Home Quality Entertainment. While this version featured remastered picture quality, it also controversially added a new introduction and comic book style sequence in between scenes. Fans of the film generally consider the director's cut to be inferior to the original, which is made more frustrating by the fact that future physical re-releases of the film only feature the 2005 director's cut. The theatrical cut can be viewed on streaming services, but all physical releases since 2005 have exclusively featured the director's cut, except for a 2022 Blu-ray re-release in Australia that fortunately features both versions. I bring this up, Roman, because you own the Australian Warriors Blu-ray and you I, your home during our weekly movie night. I love you, Imprint. Imprint, <laughs> you rock. Keep putting movies out. I love you. Uh, anyways, keep going. <laughs> now, I bring this up because I care about physical media and I care about the preservation of art. I believe both versions of the warrior should be available. Absolutely. And I also believe that video games should remain readily available, which brings me to my next segment where I talk about video game preservation. No country for old games.
everybody packed? Yeah. Before we talk about The Warriors some more, Roman, we have to talk about how readily available this game is so those who are interested in playing it can check it out. Uh, the subject of video game preservation means a great deal to me. I believe that video games are an art form. They create experiences that leave some kind of impact on the people who play them. Unfortunately, this means very little to publishers who have historically struggled with keeping their older games on modern hardware. In this segment, Roman, we are going to rate today's game, The Warriors, on a scale of A to ARG. And ARG is obviously an expression of frustration at how hard it is to acquire a game, and it is in no way me covertly advocating for piracy, which is illegal. Anyway, let's talk about the availability of this video game about gang violence and illegal activities. Hell yeah. Before we do, though, Roman, I do have to ask you, how do you play The Warriors? I play it with the copy that I bought in 2005 on my PlayStation 2. Correct. I do. I mean, I really do. But if I did not have it, I would steal the shit out of this game. If this was a pop quiz, Roman, you'd get a 100. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as, as previously discussed, the Xbox and PlayStation 2 version of the game was originally released in 2005. A PlayStation portable version of the game was released in February of 2007. Oh, wow. I figured it came out at the same time. Uh, no, it was actually later. Interesting. Um, the game has since been ported to PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4, where it remains available to purchase digitally. Really? However, however due to licensing restrictions, these digital versions of the games have been updated uh, in 2016 to patch out licensed songs featured in the original film, such as Fears, I Love Living in the City, no. and Joe Walsh's In the City. Two, the I would argue, the most significant songs that appear in the film. Joe Walsh wrote that shit for the movie. No In the City, No Warriors. That's oh, one that plays over the credits, right? Yeah. Yeah. And plays throughout the video game. Man, that yeah. soundtrack for that video game is amazing. Whenever you are in the spray paint battle and it's doing Vivian V's Remember, oh mm -hmm. man, I am obsessed with that. And then whenever you're beating up the Jones Street Boys Hangout and it's playing like some like easy listening, like really, you know, goofy Beach Boys shit, mm -hmm. it's so funny. When the DJ plays Nowhere to Run in the movie and in the game, like you, you know you're fucking screwed. Yeah. Pardon my French, but that's exactly how you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're allowed to cuss on this show. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. Screwed is probably, yeah, fine. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So, yeah, two of the most significant songs on the soundtrack besides Nowhere to Run, I would argue, uh, is the most significant. But those two, not in the game, patched out. To make things worse, while you can technically play the Warriors video game on the PlayStation 5 because PS4 games are backwards compatible on the PlayStation 5. It is not optimized for play on that console. So if you look up videos of people playing the Warriors on PS5 on YouTube, you'll see that the game has near constant visual glitches and technical issues. If you own a PlayStation 5 and only a PlayStation 5, you should absolutely avoid playing this game on PlayStation 5. Damn. This is especially unfortunate for anyone who may have bought the game on PlayStation 4, upgraded to a PS5, and got rid of their PlayStation 4, because now a game that they paid for is basically unplayable now. You can't even buy the game on the PlayStation 5 store directly. You have to go onto the app or the website to buy the game, because they, the game is so broken, they're not commercially selling it on that um, 
that that platform. This is the first time I've heard of like a game having this many issues going from the PlayStation 4 to the PlayStation 5. I have no idea what is going on there, but it is rough. What a pain in the ass. I had to play a version of this game that fell off the back of a truck. Nice. Yeah. Uh, this version that I played that fell off the back of a truck and into my computer somehow. Long story. Don't want to talk about it. It's based off the PlayStation 2 version. So it does have all the songs in it. I got to play it with a PlayStation 4 controller that I connected to my computer. Did and it play I well? Got, yeah, it played really well. Um, nice. It had widescreen support, so I got to play it that way. Yeah, great time. Had a thrill. Were you able to play any of like, the multiplayer stuff? Oh, yeah. I didn't get to play two players, but all the features, all but one minigame can be played uh, with a, against a computer. Nice. So I, I, I didn't get to have somebody drop in, drop out throughout the game, uh, but I did get the... Uh, single player experience and i did enjoy some of the, the the games on rumble mode which we'll talk about in a second here but first i have to complain about this game's availability yeah this game is very close to getting an arg from me in terms of its availability the xbox version is not backwards compatible with future versions of the xbox console what the hell like, they, they did a lot of backwards compatibility stuff they didn't get nearly everything it's because of the music it's because of the music you, you're probably right, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Other other games from that time with licensed music are the ones that are not backwards compatible. Yeah, that didn't even occur to me. I thought it was maybe just like maybe Rockstar just. No, it's the same thing with like the Def Jam games. Mm. Yeah, and that's all about music. So. Yeah, of course. Whoops. Yeah. So yeah, the Xbox version is not backwards compatible. The PlayStation Five version of the game is glitchy to the point that you can't even buy it on the PlayStation Five store. No Switch or PC version exists, meaning there is no current generational hardware that supports this game. Uh, you can still buy and play this on the PlayStation 4. And uh, the PlayStation 3 store is actually still up. You just can't put your funds directly. You can't just put your credit card directly on it. You have to like buy PlayStation stuff and put, put the funds in the wallet and then go through the, th the extra three steps to buy a game. But Oof. the PlayStation 3 store is still open. So yeah, I, I technically cannot give it an ARG because there are at least two places you can buy this game digitally but you know like i said version i played fell the back of a truck make it that what you will all versions of the game currently legally available to buy are compromised in some way because of the music thing like you said it's pretty bleak and this is unfortunately an example of a game that is on the edge of being left behind as time goes on so very very close to an arg unfortunately uh which is a shame because this game is great i had a great time playing it roman i'm glad that you picked it for the show the game was a critical and also financial success for rockstar yeah the Xbox version of the game holds an 85 out of 100 on the review aggregation website Metacritic. But we're not here to reduce the legacy of the Warriors to sales figures, review scores, or any set of numbers. We're here to discuss what the game means to somebody who played it. So let's get into it, Roman. Hi there, my name's Max Newland. My friends and I love anime, but you don't have to take my word for it. Hello, my name is Max Kostrak, and I have a confession today. I do love anime. Hey there, my name is Stevie Matos, and I love anime like I love yogurt parfaits. I watch it, I engage with it, and I think about it a lot. Give me a good bed of mechs, sprinkled with some harem anime, a slice of life, and some little dabs of a sports anime. Let's go. Mm. Now doesn't that sound delicious? 
Join us every Monday at the After School Anime Club, a podcast where we play fun games and talk through the anime classics of the 90s and 2000s. That's the After School Anime Club, available now on your podcatcher of choice. What do you like about this game that you wish more video games would do? Everything. I like everything about this game. I like that it has an engaging story. I mean, they could have they could have just made this film based off of the 90-minute movie and stretched it out to death and just made it from beginning to end. The movie made it a little bit beat them up, rake in some dough, and that's it. But instead, they decided to make it a full-blown prequel. And then you play up to the movie, and then when you get there, guess what? You keep playing. You play through the whole thing. So it's just chock full of fan service. It gives you everything that you would want in a prequel. You get to find out everything about every character's backstory to the point where they all get their own missions. And most of the time, whenever it comes to like prequels and stuff, I don't want to. I don't want to know where the things I love come from. I just love the things I love to quote. You don't want to know where the thing from the thing comes from. Yeah. I don't want to know where the thing from the thing comes from. I don't care. You said it was from Norway. What cool. I'll, I'll take it. Um, (laughs) That's that's just the most normal Norwegian. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But a sequel shit. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take it up to any, um, any artist interpretation of a sequel. Why not? Mm -hmm. Um, But not only that, not only the prequel, you get, rumble modes you get to build your own gang and play against your buddy at a sleepover you know it's awesome and and how how cool is it that you could be playing a game playing the game without even pausing your buddy can plug in their controller and hit start and guess what it's split screen now that is the coolest thing on the planet my friend sam did that we were trying to do the stealth mission and then i realized this is the worst mission for us to co-op <laughs> it gets me hyped up and i love rockstar voice acting because it really like sucks you in it makes the world feel lived in and every character that was made for the game like scopes is just lovable and every villain that was made for the game like the uh, the rulers of the satan's mothers are like so despicable and the the, the prequel gang that they uh, invented, the destroyers yeah yes the destroyers that they invented for this game were such good bad guys. Like, man, and a fun little piece of trivia, in the book, The Warriors, they're not actually called the Warriors. They're called the Destroyers. So it's a fun little nod um, that this this gang that you're fighting against, you started as a destroyer, you got busked out, and now you are a warrior. It's, it's really cool to see um, the writers over at Rockstar bring something that's so unique another thing that i like in the game is is all the little side quests that you can go on while you're in each level it's just like hey guess what for another little treat if you find uh some spray paint dealers you know buy a can of spray paint and tag over um tag over the uh saracen's burners and you get to unlock characters in rumble mode like I said before, I 100% of this game, I got all 365 characters. The leader of my gang is a mascot from Coney Island that's barely seen. He's just walking around in the background on mm-hmm. the Coney Island boardwalk. He's the ape Phibian. And that is my gang's leader. Can you <laughs> dig it? I love it. 
great game. Uh, I love it for a lot of the reasons that you love it in terms of like how it is not only like, you know, an adaptation, but also one that is made as a labor of love. People who clearly, you know, put a lot of thought and care into developing this game, not because like, hey, you know, people love the Warriors, make a Warriors video game. We love the Warriors. Let's make a Warriors video game. And it worked in terms of like some actual like specific gameplay components that I love. I like the War Chief controls here. I think it's a yeah. great way that you can bring a necessary variety to the way that you approach these situations. It definitely brings a different, um, uh, like instead of like a beat em up where you're just controlling your character and like the combos that you can do, you are in control of the chaos or trying to avoid the chaos by using these um, inputs. It adds a layer to the gameplay that really keeps it from being monotonous. Yeah, you can wreck them all. You can hide. You can scatter. You can mm-hmm. follow me. Well, my favorite is whenever I'm tagging something, I, I tell everyone to watch my back, and I've just got a wall of warriors at my back. Like, mm-hmm. Good luck getting past them, guys. And if you do, uh, I'm going to grab you, and I'm going to smash your face against the wall. That's, that's Unless it. you're doing the, the train mission where Cowboy is the only guy watching your back, and you just Jesus get Christ. Shit every single time you try to tag something. They, they made two of the worst missions i listen i love this game but the stealth in this game makes me want to rip my hair out i wanted to uh 100 well, we'll I, come back to the issues in a minute right right right, <laughs> yeah. right. I, yeah but man cowboy just watch mm-hmm. my back stop thinking yeah. about your hat dude speaking of cowboy i think this game has the single best mechanic of any video game because i believe there are two rules that a video game should follow If anybody in the video game is wearing a hat, you should be able to knock the hat off their head. Furthermore, you should also be able to wear their hat. Yeah. This game delivers on both. You can wear so many hats that do not belong to you in this game. Not only that, but if you trigger a cutscene while wearing the hat, your character's still wearing the hat. And I'm pretty sure that as Cowboy, you can put a hat on your hat. I think I think that is a thing. It's either that or I made that up in my little kid brain. I should have tested that. But no, yeah. And the other thing is like Cowboy specifically, his hat's always falling the fuck off his head. And you can I'll... pick up his hat while he's like getting into some shit, put <sighs> it on his head, and he will respond like, hey, give that back. Yeah. That's not funny, man. <laughs> <laughs> like you'll like keep bugging you for the rest of the level. You're wearing the hat the entire time. It's great. It's great. It's just fun little details. Like they didn't have to do that. Nice hat, cowboy. Looks better on the ground. Hey, cowboy. Want to try to get your hat back? Hey, check this out. Where's the rodeo at? <laughs> Look at me. I'm a Brooklyn cowboy. <laughs> Glad to have you back, buddy. Maybe I should get a chin strap for this. In fact, they they didn't have to make like any of the mini games in the multiplayer either. Some of them are like so so weird. But I'm glad they included them, because why not? Yeah. One of the flashback missions is uh, like a King of the Hill match, where you're mm-hmm. throwing people off the top of the hill, and your team of two has to be the people standing on there for at least 100 seconds cumulatively. And that's a really fun mini game to play if you have like, you know, like the, the chaos of everybody trying to like throw you and hurt you and everything like that. And then like the other modes are just like, there's just enough variety in there that there's always like something that you can do with two players. And I think the most weird and interesting one is the fact that you can do a, a wheelchair race for some yes, reason. Yes, the wheelchair race. Like, why'd they do that? Like, it's, it, it's not good. No, <laughs> it's, it's not it's good. Not interesting. It's not good. It's not good. 
You thought it was funny. I thought it was interesting. But also, there's the one, uh, there's the one game mode like Have Mercy, and it's just you. You have to throw the Mercy character model into like another per into your own goal, but you're playing against another person, so you are basically just like playing tug of war with this girl, <laughs> this poor girl, and you're just trying to throw them into into like your little zone. Yeah, it's that's the only one I couldn't play because that's the only strictly two-player version it's very it's very 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 weird also speaking of speaking of your love for picking up hats in the game one of the flashback missions it completely revolves around getting a hat yeah and wearing that hat you got to go to the boppers and find a size nine hat but the only person that wears that size hat is big mo so mm. you got to beat the shit out of him while disco dancing wearing his hat it's great yeah uh yeah so great hat game excellent game in the hat cannon <laughs> oh another great gameplay thing i think more games should do this while the credits are rolling you can play as the riffs and beat the shit out of luther <laughs> and his rogues and it is Man. just an extremely satisfying way to beat the shit out of those it is just the most extremely like satisfying thing at the end of any big game talk about putting a hat on a hat that is great yeah, it's great yeah so, yeah, more video games where you can play during the credits and beat the shit out of the guy who, like, caused all this problem in the first place. Man, that, is like, really... that is, like, the one, like, little thing. It's not like the movie doesn't need that, right? But when you're playing a video game, you need, like, you know, the big fuck yeah, like, I, I, the feeling of victory. And, you know, beating Luther in that final boss fight where you're throwing bottles at him, that, that's fine, whatever. But when you actually get to just, like, cream the guy, that's where yeah. it is. And like I, I think that's interesting. Like the the ending of, the ending of this game and the ending of the movie are the same yet different. The ending of the movie is almost a shot for shot uh, remake of the ending of Yojimbo, uh, where it's that it's that showdown. One has a knife, the other has a gun, and it's the it's a battle. Uh, uh, it's a skill battle. So who's quicker on the draw? Someone with a knife or someone with a gun? And the person with the knife wins. Chuck the knife into the arm, gun goes off, riffs show up, movie's over, we get our characters. But instead, in the game, you're chucking bottles at this guy until he <laughs> dies. Um, and, Who would win and, the fight? Eight bottles and a knife? Or a yeah, eight bottles and a knife or, or uh, Luther and his unlimited, uh, his unlimited ammo five-shot revolver. Also, when I was a kid, and uh, the credits were playing and the riffs were kicking the shit out of the rogues. I didn't realize that I could play it. And then I picked up the control. It was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is great. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the finishing moves in this game, like when it just like actually hurt me too. like when I was beating the shit out of the out of the rogues at the end of this game, I was like, man, kind of feel bad. <laughs> it's very feel good in a bad yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, there's no one in the world who deserves to have their shit kicked more than Luther. And really, yeah. uh, yeah, it's it's shot in Friday. It's great. You still looking for us? We found what we're looking for. No, no, it wasn't us. It was them. The warriors. The warriors are good. The free is the best. The rest is ours. You talked about how good this game is like representing the world of the warriors and being able to play that. And I think that's the main thing that I think this game does really well is that for the most part, I think it is very true to the essence of the warriors as a film and as a game adaptation of that film. And uh, that's a difficult thing that can be done when you're adapting something into an interactive medium 
because now you're in control of the characters in this film. And as you said, Roman, these aren't good dudes. You are always playing as a member of a gang and you are doing unsavory gang behavior. And a thing, like we said, like Walter Hill's a pretty lurid guy. Mm-hmm. He he is he likes to put it all out there. He's very like even in a game, even in a world that is like, you know, the 1979 apocalypse dystopia of yeah. New York, there is still like a frank depiction of what a gang does and how it operates. And the movie resonated because like it was not really a depiction that movies really had at the time, especially since all the characters are so young. Mm-hmm. So the thing that sticks out to me is when you mug people in this game, mm-hmm. it is so different from how mugging is typically portrayed in a video game. And it's very involving to mug somebody in this game. And it possibly the most involving I've ever seen a mugging being done in any interactive game. Because like in mm-hmm. Saints Row 2, right? You you mug someone by pointing a gun at them and then eventually they'll drop money. Mm-hmm. Or uh, in Metal Gear Solid, when you hold somebody up and then like you, you have to command them to like shake and then they'll drop whatever item is on them and then you get that item. But in this game, you mug people by grabbing onto them and then they're actively trying to free themselves from the hold and then two meters appear on the screen and one is filling up representing the person struggling. And if their meter fills up all the way, they break free of your hold. But then there's your meter and your meter fills up when you find the vibration, you know, to like perpetuate the act of mugging whatever is on their person. And you can mug basically whoever, if it's another gang member, a person walking on the street, a homeless person. It doesn't really restrict. There's there's people that are more difficult to mug. Mm-hmm. You can you can engage the act of mugging with basically anybody. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of like, if you if you can mug them, you'll you'll get some money. Maybe it is a dollar, sometimes four dollars. I don't think I ever got more than fifteen dollars off of a single individual in this game. So it's a, such a uncomfortable process of getting money out of somebody in a pretty brutal way because the camera zooms in a lot closer than it does otherwise in the game you're in there and you're watching the person wriggle and struggle yeah less. yeah at the fir- at first it's pretty uncomfortable in fact whenever the mugging is over if you successfully do the mug you still have them in a hold you can let them go or you can kick the shit out of them until they stop moving it leaves it up to you which it's crazy um, if you're fighting another gang member, like in a big old fight, and you grab them, it gives you the option to mug them sometimes. And after you mug them, it's just like you knock them out or hit them against a wall or something. If you're truly evil and you're mugging someone on the side of the street and you really do want to just kick the shit out of them, you can. And you can get more than 15 bucks out of someone uh, if you decide to mug one of the dealers, which mm. is the hardest person to mug. In fact, sometimes on the higher difficulties, if you pay the dealer 20 bucks for the fictional drug Flash, which is like the health pickup in this game, sometimes you give them the 20 bucks and they just run. And you're just like, what the fuck? I just got mugged. By, I just got uh, ripped off by the dealer. So you have to chase them down. Sometimes you catch them and you have to beat them up and mug them for your money back. Or sometimes they get away and you're out 20 bucks. Yeah. And that sucks because, again, it takes a lot to get $20. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's very brutal. I, I like, I'm not saying like, oh, this game's so good because you can mug people and it's an ordeal. <laughs> I, I understand that's how it's coming up. Okay. <laughs> <But> <laughs> the thing that like makes me really think that this isn't just like an intentional way of being like edgy or something in an otherwise uh, medium that wouldn't make you question it like you would when you 
get money out of people in like Grand Theft Auto or in another Rockstar game is because um, there are police officers in this game. Yeah. And they will attempt to arrest you. And the same two meter thing will happen when you're pinned down and they're trying to arrest you. And instead of having to find a vibration, whenever the controller vibrates, you have to move away from that vibration so you don't get arrested. And if their meter fills up all the way, boom, arrested. Game over. If your meter fills up all the way, you wriggle your way out of the situation. But that doesn't mean you get the upper hand because you don't, it's not like, oh, counterattack. Boom. No, now you have to either run away, maybe hope you can fight the cop if there's not too many cops around, something. But like you're put in a defensive position that you put other people in throughout the game. And it is that contrast, that balance of those two things that makes me, you know, understand that, okay, these people understand like this isn't like a power thing. This isn't like the, the, the empowering feeling of being in a in a gang and it does balance and even like people who are like i'm gonna show what it's like to really be in a gang it balances that by showing the brutality of mm-hmm. what you're committing to other people being put on you in albeit a slightly different context with the police but still Oof, man those those cops the i think i think the police officers are the hardest enemies in the game they are at least from my yeah from my experience if in in fact you can put them on your gang in the custom rumble mode if you want to have an absolutely stacked team, just load it up with cops. But um, man, whenever whenever a cop or two would show up on screen, I maybe knocked out one or two cops on my last playthrough. When I saw cops, I ran. I hit the scatter button for my for my warriors, and it was just every man for themselves. I would find a dark place to hide, and then uh, if I looked on the on the map and saw that someone was arrested, I sat there until those cops left. Man, cops, nothing gives me more anxiety mm-hmm. than having to run from the cops and the warriors. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Obviously, like them being cops, they are going to have the upper hand because cops are glorified, overpaid gang members with every yeah. resource available to them. And while the cops in this game don't have guns, they do have handcuffs. They uh, are able to handcuff the people who are on your team. And you cannot complete a level until you like free anybody who's been cuffed mm-hmm. you have to be able to free them and that makes it stressful because like you said they are the most difficult enemy to take down by the end of the game i had like the stealth down enough to the point where i was able to sneak up behind a cop and then do a stealth takedown which they go down just as easily as anybody else with a stealth takedown i'm still getting used to the stealth takedowns and i've been playing this game since 2005 yeah man every time i show up behind someone i'm just like i just end up beating them up <laughs> it's it's hard it's hard for me to take down a stealth uh, do a stealth takedown it's a it is a crap shoot and then that puts like sometimes like what what would happen is like i don't do the stealth takedown right and i just have to like all right i guess I have to beat this guy up really quickly before somebody else catches yeah. on that's- also one thing the, another stressful thing is sometimes sometimes you'll go down and uh the terrible ai that is your <laughs> that is the rest of the warriors you just got to hope that they run up to you and uncuff you or give you flash or do something because you don't body swap in this game. No. You're down. The, the, you're talking about the terrible AI in this game. Sometimes you'll hide in the shadows to stealth. And then, like, in one, I'm specifically remembering uh, getting into uh, the shadows and then fucking Cowboy is standing oh. right outside of the shadow, like staring at me. And I'm cowboy. like, get behind me, man. Get behind me, man. You Watch asshole. my back. And then like he was just standing there. And then like one of the uh, enemies saw Cowboy just standing there right in the bright light. And is like, there they are. Get them. And I'm like, fuck. All right. So you know what the worst, the worst AI experience I had in this game was the level 
where you're teaming up with the Saracens to um, mess with the Jones Street Boys and the cops. And uh, so you have to break into these businesses as well as steal car radios. Now, as soon as you break into a business, the alarm goes off and the cops come and get you. But you have to steal 50 items. So take as many as you can and then run. You can't take all of them. There's a limited option. You can't go back to that building because the cops will secure the building. So I get to the last building. I need to grab five more items and I get to the last business and I'm trying to pick the lock to get in. And I guess I didn't take my command off of mayhem. And so whoever I was with, I think Cochise breaks the window of the business and the alarms go off and I haven't picked the lock yet. Cops show up and the cops secure the building and you just fail the mission. And guess what? That checkpoint was the beginning of the frickin' mission. Yeah. I had that yeah. problem with the one of the other flashback missions where like you're supposed to like uh raise hell throughout, like do as much vandalism as possible, go and beat up some workers by the factory, as much mayhem to like spread out the cops as much as possible, yeah. which puts the heat on you. And it was so involving because like like you said, if you got successfully arrested, game over. You have to do the whole mm-hmm. level all over again. Whole level. Going back to the point about this game, doing the movie in a faithful way, not just aesthetically, but sentimentally. The thing, the specific moment that really makes me feel like they understood and appreciated the film is that they went out of the way to adapt the most humanizing scene from the movie, which is not an act of violence. It's not an action moment. So it's depicted entirely in a cutscene. The last five levels of the game are faithful to the film and adapts the big scenes. The dialogue's mostly intact, but they do one scene that really shows to me that they weren't just trying to do this faithful representation to connect the levels in a cohesive manner. Before the last level, uh, after you beat the roller skating gang at the 96th Street Station, we uh, see the reunited warriors and Mercy, Swan's love interest, board the train on the way back to Coney Island. And it's the pause before the climax of the film where they've been chased the whole night and they're finally close to home. For a while, it's just the gang and Mercy in the subway. And at one stop, this group of rich kids uh, who are around the ages of the rest of the warriors, uh, they get in a car and it's like two couples who clearly went out and had an elegant night. They're dressed to the nines. They are ostentatious, you know? They are living in an entirely separate world from the world we've seen for the rest of the movies where it's 60,000 gang members crawling throughout the night, raising hell and causing mayhem on the streets. Uh, terrorizing this particular gang for a situation that, again, that they did not do. The couples sit across from Swan and Mercy, and then the rich kid's mood like instantly shifts when they realize that they're surrounded by, you know, poors, the, the, the gangs. Swan is giving them a glare as if he's standing his ground, and Mercy, who looks clearly ashamed, is like trying to fix her hair or something. And Swan takes her hand, puts it down back on her lap as if to communicate, look, these people, they don't matter. You don't have to change yourself or do anything to yourself to uh, appease them because they will never care or empathize or try to understand you no matter what you do. And one of the guys says something like, come on, let's go find some breakfast and immediately gets off on the next possible stop. And that's probably my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. And I'm really glad it's intact because it is so crucial to the rest of the film and putting that scene in the video game. But again, this isn't a playable moment in the game. It's just a quiet moment from the movie to drive home the themes of the film. And it just shows up by putting that in there, you didn't just care about making a fun video game. You cared about making a Warriors video game. You know what I love, which was a total love letter to the movie? Whenever Mercy's character is introduced, 
she kind of like uncorks the orphans on them because they won't give her her a vest. There's nothing wrong with you making it through our territory as long as you're coming in peace. <laughs> Cut it, Mercy. <laughs> Those vests are real nice. Give me one. Come on, I just want one. You can get another one, man. No chance. Hey, Sully, aren't these the guys who trashed your car? You just gonna let them army right through here anytime they feel like it? And by the end of the game, she proves herself to the warriors. She proves she can hold her own and be a warrior, and she gets a vest. In your hideout, at the end of the game, when you're just walking around the hub world, Mercy gets a vest and becomes a playable character. Yeah. It's really it's really fantastic. That and the one extra at the beginning of the meeting, uh, who's just a guy in a white tank top that has a black handprint on his chest. They literally made him a playable character <laughs> in the gang rumble mode. We made the model. <laughs> yeah, we made the model. Yeah, he's there. That's just like great attention to detail. And he's always the guy who mugs me when I try to buy flash off of him. So <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah. No, yeah. Great game. Like it understands like the whole like why do people join gangs? Why are these people being ignored by society? What is like the class divide of a world and why are like so many young people involved in them and why are there only young people in gangs? It's because they die so young, et cetera, et cetera. This game broadly understands the sentiments being made mm-hmm. in a film that doesn't try and tell you what the point of the movie is. And this is just by interpretation of it. I'm not saying it's the objective correct one, but it's the one I take away. And it's the one that I see when I play this game. So I appreciate whatever both of these things are doing that it is one isn't necessarily undercutting the other too much in the process one other thing uh, i wanted to point out is like another thing that people should appreciate about this game i guess uh this game incorporates a lot of different genres into its gameplay we've talked about the stealth it's not just a simple brawler fighter game and the game leaves a bunch of bottles and bricks on the ground that you can throw to make noise distract nearby enemies to do the oh what's that thing yep. that video yep. games love to do so much i'm not saying this game's the first to do that no No, I'm not saying that. But this specific use of glass bottles and bricks specifically as objects aiding in stealth, uh, as well as being able to use them as a melee and thrown weapon, is something The Last of Us specifically would go on to do, like bricks and bottles specifically. And I just find that interesting. I really find that interesting because it's like, this is one of the most critically acclaimed games ever made using this specific mechanic, using the same reticle that you use for aiming and everything to execute that command and it's just like i guess these developers really liked the warrior specifically if they're using glass bottles and bricks to represent it i never even put two and two together that's that's extremely interesting i loved playing through the last one i played through that uh, a ton yeah this isn't a call out i'm like i've just like i yeah. looked this up i was like do people make this connection i couldn't find anything i'm not saying i'm the first person to make, make that connection? connection no i don't know i couldn't find anything Whoa. but it's very important to me that I point out, like, the bricks and bottles, man. Look at the bricks and look bottles. At, look at the bricks and bottles that's right there. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like I feel like I'm going, like, Ch- Charlie in the, the mailroom. Yeah. Like, Pepe Sylvia. I got boxes full of Pepe. I got boxes full of bricks and bottles. Roman, this is obviously a game that you love everything about. Yeah. That being said, what do you wish this game did better? Well, the AI uh is frustrating uh your buddy's ai is frustrating uh to say the least 
but it's also a game from 2005 and much like the thing video game and and this video game the they had squad commands which was pretty revolutionary for the time uh whenever it came to console games um i wish it was done a little better i also wish that the uh stealth mechanics um were done a little better uh but it seems like Whenever I see like people complain about the game, they complain about the graffiti mechanic. That's in my notes. Which I don't actually mind. In fact, my favorite level of the game is writer's block. I played that level over and over and over again. That was the um, uh, that was the scopes level, uh, where scopes invites all the all the artists from each gang to come and like do their burners and then the hi-hats show up because they're pissed that they lost the competition. It's a chase, and then you get to graffiti over their, their hideout, and then it turns into a fight at the at the circus, you know? Um, that's my favorite level, and that seems to be everyone's least favorite level. I don't know why. Uh, I'm a masochist, I guess, but I, I really do like the graffiti uh, mechanic in the game. Uh, you know, I like the idea of the graffiti mechanic for sure. Mm-hmm. It's just like the execution of it is so rough sometimes because, yes. like, um, because uh, when you're not in that specific level, you have to pay money to get spray paint, and if you mess up enough trying to like match the yep. the stick to the to the warrior symbol that you're making, you have to go and buy some more if you run out of paint, and it's just mm-hmm. so pace breaking. So I empathize with that because I yeah. also about it this, is, this ain't called warriors come out to paint yeah okay? it is it is pace breaking but listen i want to see rembrandt do a little bit more painting that's fair uh, and you know what's funny i only ever mess up on the w shape uh, yeah whenever it comes to the squiggle i can do that squiggle like nobody's business same thing in mario party i can i can trace that mario head to Roman's great at the squiggle. i'm great at squiggling i always call it outside the lines you know me <laughs> but uh yeah so I, I do I do really like that mechanic, but that is a common complaint with with every review that I've seen of this game. Yeah, put me among them. I'm not saying it's like fine. the graffiti thing is a bad idea, but like uh like I love Jet Set Radio, and half that game is the graffiti thing. And I if they I think if like it was doing something closer to that, mm-hmm. that it would be a bit better for me. Yeah, you know we talked about the stealth. I think the stealth is I think the idea of the stealth is cool. It's true to the movie where the warriors are always on the defensive. They're not the ones on the attack ever. They are defending themselves. They're going from the Bronx all the way to Coney Island, and they have to book it. The quick time events, whenever you're like running from like the Baseball Furies or running from the Turnbull ACs on their bus, um, can get annoying. But it's not like Resident Evil 4 annoying. And it's not every game that's ever done quick time events after that annoying. In fact, Resident Evil 4 and the Warriors, I think, were like the first game to really make quick time events mainstream. Uh, Resident Evil 4 definitely popularized it. And definitely popularized out, like... it. Yeah. Me, but it, it made it made cutscenes, uh, scenes from the movie that that would ultimately be cutscenes. It made them interactive. It made them playable, and I and I respect that. The intentions were good. It yeah. wasn't. It's not Incredible Crisis where it makes you want to uh, blow your brains out. But yeah. <laughs> like you know with resident evil 4 it's like again like make, let's make this part of the story interactive and the warriors is still like faithful to that original like idea instead of like just you know making filler gameplay but the thing that does frustrate me is the camera angle during oh. those sequences for the majority of them because yeah. when you're doing it it's doing the crash bandicoot levels where you have to run towards the camera instead of again like you know away from the camera like i said so you have, like 
no time to react. I am a crash bandicoot kind of guy, so I can deal with it. <laughs> sure. Uh, but for me, it was just like, I think there was like two, like the two levels in the campaign that gave me the most difficult time was the chase sequence with the truck and then the, the flashback level with the, where the police keep trying to arrest you. Those are the only like two like ones that really gave me a hard time on this initial yeah. playthrough. But man, I got a, quite a few game overs, which was great because I wanted to hear what the, what the radio, when you die in this game, that's great because the DJ comments on it. Also, I, I'd never seen her in anything else really. And then uh, my roommate, Steph, she was like, you've never seen Carmen Sandiego? You're always singing the theme song. And I'm like, yeah, because it plays the work. So we watched it. The DJ from the Warriors plays the chief in Carmen Sandiego. She's the narrator of Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Yeah, I can listen to her voice uh, every day. Every day. It's a great voice. It's a great voice. Yeah, no. So the one thing is like uh, when you're hiding in the shadows and people are looking for you, the time that the game takes for the enemies to stop searching for you goes to what I call check your phone amount of time. Oh, yeah. Just before uh, uh, I popped on this podcast, I decided to replay some of the frustrating levels mm. just to see if they really were something I was going to complain about. And yeah, I was hiding from Turnbull ACs uh, in the shadows and I was opening up Blu-rays. Uh, I was cutting open the plastic at the same time. This is uh, I'm going to eat my snack now. Yeah. <laughs> um it's it's a little it's a little much and then this is going into nitpick territory mm -hmm. i want your take on this i guess because mm -hmm. you talked about the warlord stuff um mm -hmm. this game that only makes like the one new gang and the ga that gang the destroyers is fine i like that gang fine uh that's not the issue i have it's um but something i really love about the warriors film is the youth element to it right mm -hmm. nobody ever says their age in the movie but we can clearly see that these characters are supposed to be young adults uh, michael beck is the oldest actor playing a warrior in the mm -hmm. movie and he's playing the the you know de facto leader for the bulk of the film and he just turned 30 when the movie came out yeah uh cyrus the leader of the most powerful gang uh roger hill was only 30 when the you know this film came out so mm -hmm. some of the warlords designed for this game specifically look like grown adults mm -hmm. and i guess that's a me thing but like diego and vargas for the hurricanes yeah uh, chatterbox who's the john wayne gacy clown yep uh, Big Mo, who you talked about earlier, Big they Mo. all read as much older gang members than what we see in the movie. And I don't know how I really feel about that. And I think that's like the one thing I feel like the game really doesn't get in terms of. Well, what think the movie about is. think about those characters and think about mm -hmm. their gangs. The boppers are pimps and pushers. That's their their M.O. That's their mm -hmm. thing. That's that's not really a job for a kid. Um, they just kind of evolved into a gang in, in, in my mind. Um, the, uh, the Hurricanes, they are in such an impoverished area that they don't ever grow out of it. Um, and then for the Hi-Hats, that's John Wayne Gacy. That's sure. John Wayne Gacy manipulating a bunch of children, which is very yeah. John Wayne Gacy of him. Um, so I think for the adults... As the warlords, I totally understand where you're coming from, and and I do agree with you uh, to a certain extent. But yeah, I, I can make an exception for those specific characters. Sure, I I get it, sort of, you know, because like in terms of depicting uh, yeah. sex work with the boppers, yeah. obviously you can't have children yeah. doing that in a in a in a media, uh, mm -hmm. and with uh, and you shouldn't. I mean, let me, let me, let me be clear. <laughs> um, yeah. 
yeah, I think, yeah, the hurricane, like, you know, like growing out of it, I think would be, you know, one way of putting it. But I also think like dying is yeah, another. dying like, is also a big one. Deep gangs have yeah. youth numbers because they'd never get to grow old because it's such a violent, violent thing. Yeah, the Satan's mothers, they're bikers. And so it's like there's pretty, there's some pretty old bikers out there. They never gave up being being kids and rebels. So they, they got big. They got big, yeah. But I understand the necessity of it in terms of like an interactive sense too mm-hmm. because we need bosses in this game and bigger character, physically bigger character. Yeah. is you know a classic boss thing so i i understand it and, and like how they implemented it i guess it's just i think it's just like something i've been like wrestling with uh, yeah in terms yeah. of like having characters that's scan is older than the rest it of is people. it is interesting seeing a bunch of kids kick the shit out of like big mo john wayne gacy yeah it's john <laughs> wayne gacy but uh yeah it's uh it's interesting and then who knows what the baseball furies are i don't even know if they're human so uh, their their big boss that's got the misfits paint job on his face. I'm the devil, and I'm here yeah, to do the devil's business. He he the devil, he devil. Yeah, just the, the 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 fact that they don't say a single thing. They're just there to fucking beat you to death. With Amazing a is way better than like any like lore background. I'm glad they didn't elaborate on them. Yeah, like you you run into them once in the prequel section, and it's literally like a what the fuck is that? Run away it's from that. Terrifying. Fucking, yeah, don't even talk about that. I don't want to hear about it. Also, every time a new gang is introduced in this game and it freeze frames on them with their logo, mm-hmm. Jesus, that is so satisfying. Yeah. Sometimes I'll just watch the gangs, uh, the gang intros on YouTube. It's nice. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. So what impact would you say that this game made on you overall? Well, um, I'm in a gang now. And, Congratulations. Uh, and I mug people. I know. I just... pledge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... I would, what impact has this had on me? Well, I don't know. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine a me that never played this game. After after I played this game, I I got I got more comfortable with I guess uh, with wearing makeup and painting myself like a baseball fury. I made a uh, I'm I made a cut off jean vest with all my favorite bands on it, like sewn onto it, like with patches and stuff. That's straight out of the warriors uh at least my inspiration was the warriors um it's opened me up to beat 'em up games like double dragon um which this game pulls heavy influence from in fact has an armies of the night mini game that is double dragon yeah i think this game solidified my love for getting into rockstar games around the time it i think was the first game where I was really excited for my friends to come over and play with me. You know, I was like, yeah. we have to make a gang tonight, guys. And we got to play the the mini game where we chuck each other off of the roof the whole time. Like, it's the last mm-hmm. man standing. Yeah. And stop picking the baseball fury who has the big baseball bat. Stop it. <laughs> stop picking that guy. Oh, my gosh. He I don't care that he house. has the unlimited baseball bat. I know he's the best character to fight people. Yeah. Oh, I man. tested it out. I was like, surely this character has to be broken. Yep. He's busted. He's busted. He yeah. busted. Which, hey, my, great. My gang is so all over the place. I got him on there. I've got one of the hobos with the bag on his head. I've got one of the boppers that's not Big Mo. I've got uh, the ape Fibian. I've got the drug dealer with the handprint. And I've got the ghost of Cleon. I think that's 
my gang. Oh, and one of the cops. I gotta have one of the cops on there. It's like the <laughs> riot cop with the face shield. He just tanks people. Pro cop Roman, everybody. Oh my god. Ah, I'm Look sorry. at this hair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, They're not gonna see the video feed. I don't publish that. No, no. He's got he's got long hair, guys. Oh, thank <laughs> God. I've been I've been picking my nose this whole time. Yeah. No. Um <laughs> I don't record the video. I just like to look at you. I just like looking at you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no. So it seems like this game clearly had an influence on like your life and the media that you, you know, you talked about like being more open to fighting and uh, brawler and beat em up games because of it. Do you have anything else you want to say about the Warriors before we move on? Well, I have a question for you. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. If you could be in any gang from this game, what gang would it be? Ooh. Hmm. I guess I guess this could count as a favorite gang, but yeah, no, because you know. like I, I thought about asking you that, but it would just seem like we'd go to the baseball furies instantly, because it's like, what the fuck is up with those guys? Yeah, thought, what's up with those guys? What do they yeah. do? What do they do during the day? Let's let me look at these gangs because some of these gangs are based uh, on location and race. Uh, yeah. so the Spanish Harlem Hurricanes, uh, <laughs> for example. Avery would one hundred percent be a Jones Street boy. Avery would be a Joint Street boy. That's one hundred percent true. Uh, I don't want to be like the. I don't want to be like the preps. I don't want to be like the, the the bridge kid gang that you have to like plant the evidence on or anything like yeah. that. Because I don't. I think that. I think that gets uh, against the whole ethos of of gang culture. Personally, yeah. like I can't be uh, in Cyrus's crew, even though like he, they seem like the best oh, uh, gang the to riff, be a part of. Wearing a robe all day. That'd be amazing. They got a great outfit, but I'm pretty sure the riffs are an all black gang. So I don't think I'm allowed. I just say you're light skinned. You're fine. I don't. <laughs> no, man, look at me, buddy. <laughs> uh, they would not. To white people, I'm light skinned. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think if you showed off your skills, the riffs would be like, "You are in." You could just say, "Yeah, right. You're in." My my six years of Taekwondo experience from ages six to twelve will certainly come in handy with their outfit. I I would want to be the radio DJ. <laughs> Not the, the specific one. I just want to work at the station. I think that'd be a great job. What is it like to do the mundane? Because that's like the whole John Wick thing. Is like, yeah. what are the mundane jobs in this uh, weird assassination nation shit? Maybe I'm with the Lizzies because I'm an ally, Roman. <laughs> I would see. I was gonna say the Lizzies. Okay. I was gonna say I would love to be with the Lizzies. Mm. That, that okay. That would be awesome. That or when I was a kid, I wanted to be a hi hat. Drake would be in the Lizzies. 100%. You're a lesbian, me too. Yes, yes. You're a Lizzie. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sorry, uh, my <laughs> queer listeners. I, I'm sorry. Listen, I'm sorry, y'all. Let's just say, I, let, let's just apologize, just in general. No, just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah, no, great question, though. Uh, got me thinking. Okay, uh, so Roman, at the end of every episode, after we've had a rich discussion about the video game that means the most to my guests, I like for us to create the space to make some recommendations to listeners based off of the game that we talked about. Now, Roman, do you have any recommendations for people who like the Warriors? Oh, a ton. If you're looking for another uh, Manhunt, or if you're looking for another Rockstar game from around the time, uh, and you are somehow a masochist that like the stealth levels in this game, then you should definitely play Manhunt. Uh, Manhunt is a terrifying game. 
It's a frustrating game. It's an engaging game. And it is a deeply upsetting game. Uh, but I like stuff like that. So uh, I definitely recommend Manhunt. If you are into the beat-em-up brawler aspect of this film, um, I would say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, as well as Shredder's Revenge. But Def Jam Fight for New York, if you uh, have $150 in your pocket, you can go out and buy the game for the Xbox or the PlayStation 2, and you can create your own rapper slash brawler, uh, and you can have a fun beat-em-up time playing Def Jam Fight for New York. Uh, if you liked the graffiti aspects of this game, which I, I loved, uh, you play Mark Echo's Getting Up, uh, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic uh, game that I feel like no one really talks about anymore, but I used to love that game when I was a kid. This is the first I'm hearing of it. Uh, yeah, Mark Echo's Getting Up uh, is a uh, game uh, that was uh, headed by Mark Echo, uh, the guy from the Echo clothing brand um, with the rhino on it. Uh, but he made a game all about uh, graffiti in this dystopian future where uh, the graffiti must be eradicated. And you are a young kid uh, who's trying to get up on the graffiti uh, uh, ladder. Um, and you team up with famous uh, street artists like Shepard Ferry, who did Obey, um, and Mark Echo, who made the Echo clothing brand, and like a ton of other other famous people in that kind of uh, sect. Um, of art it's a really 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 fun and interesting game it does have its problems it is a game that came out in the early 2000s on the playstation 2 but it is really fun and uh, i haven't played bully but i put bully on here because uh uh you bully people in the well i can i can (laughs) let me put bully on there because uh, i played the game loved it it was the game i played right before i went away to college because it set at a boarding school and it made me comfortable with the idea of like living at school Mm-hmm. Great. I've been expelled from anywhere halfway decent. Yeah, I've been expelled from anywhere halfway decent because I'm really bad. Give up the tough guy act, pal. Hey, man, what's your problem? Well, ADD primarily, but also life, my parents, this school, Western civilization. But really, honestly, enough about me. Oh, I see you've met the dorm's mascot. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Femboy, the girliest boy in school. Those are those are my game recommendations. Uh, I did put some movie recommendations on here. Oh yeah, we do every you do all films. Okay, great, great. Well, I I did want to recommend some movies uh, for people that liked this game and like the film The Warriors. Uh, when it comes to Walter Hill movies, you should definitely watch Southern Comfort, which is a film uh, where people are trying to get from point A to point B. It's about some shithead National Guardsmen that are going on a training mission in the Louisiana swamps. Um, and they decide instead of going the normal three-hour route all the way around the swamp, they're going to steal a couple of Cajuns' um, uh, boats, and they're just going to row their way across the swamp, and they can cut it down by two and a half hours. Uh, while they're halfway across the river, the Cajuns open fire on them, and uh, now they're being hunted by some crazy Cajuns. Uh, and it is a fight for survival. It's got Powers Booth in it. It's got some actors from the Warriors and some actors from the Thing. Um, it's a really, really great film. You should also yeah. watch if you like the gang aspects of this. You should watch Streets of Fire, uh, Streets of Fire, which is Walter Hill's rock and roll fable. It's 
probably the only movie of his that has some clear cut good guys and some clear cut bad guys. Yeah. But it, it's a beautiful uh, rock and roll movie that is just oozing 80s, but not only oozing 80s, oozing the 80s nostalgia of the 50s throughout. <laughs> it's really weird. The art style is very strange. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, I also have this recommendation here, so I'll throw my note in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great, great movie. But like also like the opening and ending songs rip because it's a mm-hmm. musical film. Uh, Willem Dafoe is in this movie. It looks like a mix of Fade Rother from Dune and Sean Young from Blade Runner. Yeah. You have to mention that. You have to mention that when you recommend Streets of Fire that Willem Dafoe is in it and he looks like that. Rick Moranis is also in it as a guy who is looking like Rick Moranis but tries to act like a cool guy. If you if you want to see another film or some other films about people people stuck in the city at night trying to get back from whence they came, check out Martin Scorsese's After Hours. Yeah. Or John Landis's Into the Night, which are both the exact same film. They both came out the exact same year, and uh, they're both very, very, very good. After Hours is definitely better. Uh, Into the Night is a little problematic, only because uh, uh, Into the Night was the film that he made right after his Twilight Zone movie debacle. Oh, that's why it's problematic because he killed people. Because <laughs> he he decapitated three people. He got away with it and said like they they're they're fine that they died because they made the movie. <sighs> they they're happy to die yes. in service of cinema. <laughs> but if you like all of the sleazy gang violence and the dirtiness of the Warriors, then I've got three movies to recommend to you. Cool. Class of 1984, which was made in 1982, which is another film about like a couple of years from now gang violence is going to be a rule in the streets and it's going to be our kids that are doing it it's set in a high school where just kids are just ridiculously violent and it's a teacher versus the kids and it's really really interesting it also has an awesome shitty sequel called class of 1999 which is hilarious definitely watch that too uh but there are two films that i really want to recommend siege and tenement Siege is a film uh, about our main characters holing up in a an apartment complex and gang members are breaking in and trying to kill every last one of them. It's really fun. It's like Assault on Precinct 13, but sleazier. And Tenement is even sleazier than Siege. This movie will make you feel dirty after watching it, like you're in your own gang that doesn't shower and scours through the cities of New York and nameless... Uh, rat infested future cities yeah so siege and tenement uh definitely check them out they're very very good those are my those are my recs you know roman i appreciate you coming in clutch with these recommendations uh because i knew that i would be fine if i just only had like five here and you already named one of them with uh streets of fire so thank you for your oh. awesome recommendations uh in the realm of video games my recommendations i mentioned it earlier uh jet grind radio also known as jet set radio I covered this game in a previous episode with uh, Trevor from No Cartridge. Give that a listen if you haven't already. It's great because it's about gangs and graffiti art and being pursued by the police. And it has the anime aesthetic because it takes place in what is like a fictionalized version of the Shibuya district in Japan. And it's great. It's great anti-capitalist art. Uh, So check it out. Also recommend, you know, this is a game that is a variety of genres wrapped into one uh, great package. If you like what this game is doing and like the variety of stuff going on, but like present it primarily through the lens of a beat-em-up, the Yakuza series is where it's at. This game 
came out the same year that the first Yakuza game came out in Japan, and the series has only gotten better since. The game has two uh, remakes of the first two games. There's a prequel game, Yakuza Zero, which is probably the best of the the mainline series. I'm recommending the series all the time, but this is the most relevant it's ever been coming into like you want stories about gang violence, brawling uh, characters with insane combos that you pull off attacks where you're throwing yourself at people running around a small few city blocks uh, that you become more and more familiar with. So basically becomes your second home and inexplicably the, you know, the broad appeal of a Yakuza is that Kazuma Kiryu just doesn't know how to be an evil person, even though he's like functionally like the most respected uh, criminal in the, in the country. Great, great series of games. Check them out if you haven't already. I've I've never played a Yakuza game. I've always wanted to because it looked like what I wanted Shenmue to be, which I also have not played that either. It is definitely a spiritual, um, you know, successor to that. With like, a, it's a lot cleaner than Shenmue is for sure. Oh, sounds awesome. I'd I'd love to play it. It is the fucking best, dude. You would love it. Um, Streets of Fire is the other movie recommended, but Roman already covered that. As for movies, uh, Repo Man is another movie you should check out if you like. The Warriors, it's directed by Alex Cox, who, uh, he's the kind of guy who basically destroyed his mainstream Hollywood career so he could make a movie that took the position that what America did in South America over the last two centuries was bad. Oh, was that Walker? Yeah, Walker. Uh, we're I love talk Walker. About Walker. We'll talk about Walker when it becomes <laughs> like, uh, when we talk about Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker or something in a future oh, episode. Oh, hell yeah. Know. But uh, no, check out Walker. But also mainly for this episode, uh, Repo Man. Alex Cox is a, an insanely radical dude in a cool way. This movie stars Emilio Estevez and Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, it has a punk rock soundtrack with artists like Iggy Pop, Black Flag, Suicidal Tendency, Circle Jerks, and my boy Jonathan Richmond. He is one of my favorites. Uh, also has a contemporary dystopia vibe that uh, Warriors has where it's set in LA instead of New York like uh, the Warriors is. Check it out. I love this movie. I own it on Criterion. I don't regret it. And lastly, uh, John Wick, the series, is a place between two worlds, you know? There's the real world, and then there's the world it lives in where everybody's an assassin. In the first movie, the guy that plays uh, Luther is in the, the first John Wick movie. It's, it's, it's a series that loves the warrior so much to the point that in John Wick Chapter 4, the third act is just like one long extended homage to the warriors. Like directly, it's... It, really? I'm not, yeah, I, I won't tell you like the specifics of it, but there is a lot of like iconography that they're using in john wick chapter four to reference the warriors like you, you okay, watch I all have not these seen movies. it i have not seen it yeah watch all these movies but especially to get to john wick chapter four so you can see what i'm talking about there so those are my recommendations roman i always have a good time hanging out with you yeah and it's a thrill to have you on my show to talk about this game that means so much to you before we end this episode though please promote the hell out of yourself oh well um you can find me on um on instagram uh, at Revolver Roman. I've been pretty bad at posting uh, recently, but uh, I will get back to it as soon as I get some creative uh, drive. But I usually post uh, movie recommendations and reviews. And uh, yeah, um, it's, uh, it's always fun. Uh, it's so always give, me fun. A, give me a follow and uh, I'll recommend some good movies to you. Yep, that's Revolver Roman. Uh, Roman, once again, thanks for being on the show. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Select and Start. Once again, I'm your host, editor, and promoter, Kiefer. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please give the show a positive review wherever you're listening to this. Engagement helps the show and your feedback will improve it. And if you want to get more engaged, give the show a follow on Twitter at SelectPodStart. If you have thoughts about the Warriors or any other games we've discussed, send a DM or leave a comment and I'll gladly read it on the show. You can also support me on Patreon on patreon.com slash Corner. If you pledge at least $1 a month, you'll get early access to new episodes as well as extended versions of episodes such as this one with exclusive content. You can also follow me on Twitter at Danny Vegito, as well as on Blue Sky at Danny Vegito. Find the links to the rest of my projects in the description of this episode. Select and start is on the Moonshot Network, which is supported by its own Patreon. Find out more on moonshotpods.com. The art for the show is made by my best friend, Avery Ott. You can follow him on social media with the handle at Avery Robin Ott. That's A-V-R-Y Robin O-T-T. The show's theme song was composed by Mike Petrie. You can check out the links in the description for both their works, as well as Roman's. All right. I think that's it. Can you dig it? Oh, yeah. All right. (laughs) Uh, Take it easy, baby. Make it last all night. Okay, so... (laughs)